It's Christmas morning, Liam! Oh my goodness! It's Christmas morning! But all of the presents are for Liam and none of them are for Charlie! Father Christmas hates you! <laughs> Father Christmas hates you! Hello and welcome to our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 23-year-old actor and filmmaker. I like breeding anti-heroes and feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the Hundred Script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. Uh, the weirdest dream I've ever had yes. is... So, I don't remember a lot. I don't know why this is now story time, but I don't remember a whole lot of my dreams, mm-hmm. but the ones that I do remember, I remember vividly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, when I was in... I don't even know when I had this dream, but basically the premise was mm-hmm. that I was trying to get to school. Mm-hmm. And when I was in middle school, I would go to my grandma's house in the morning and then go- walk to school because there the schools were so close. Or my because those mm-hmm. two places were very close together. Yes, of course. And so I had a dream that I had to get to school, but to get to school, I had to stop in every single house on the way and like do like a puzzle. I had to do a puzzle in yeah. every single house. What a weirdly fun dream! Yeah, to get to get all the way to my middle school. That's how, and, and I was worried the whole time because, of course, like, because I'm going to be late for school. Yeah. Yeah. That's, like, kind of a fun, weird dream. Yeah, it was it, it was really an- anxiety-inducing, though, because I was like, because I, you know me, I'm very punctual, uh-huh. and I'm not about being late. My wife would love that dream. She loves puzzles. <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, yeah, I love puzzles. The stakes are high. Yes, you have to get school. to school. What did middle school teach us? That's true. Exactly. How to be, no, how to be awkward. <laughs> not a lot. Yeah. More than high school. Yeah. Just, like throwing that out there um uh oh yeah i should probably introduce myself um my name is Brittany ray i have been eating raisins <laughs> she has a huge <laughs> bag of raisins it's ridiculous and then she's like what? hey do you want some raisins and i'm like no <laughs> why would you want anything from my giant big raisins? did you buy the two gal- kilogram bag from superstore or something that's the exact bag we have upstairs that we've been feeding my child <laughs> that's exactly what i did <laughs> Oh, good. I have so much in common with toddlers, really. But they're good. They are good. They're good to snack on, and I can eat them while doing any... Did you just wreck that? I didn't mean to. The first one came off, and then I just... I make things, and I'm like, hey, do you want to play with this? And she's like, yes. Destroys it. Sorry. No. There's two toddlers in this apartment now. Anyway, who are you? Anyway, my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 29-year-old writer and TV critic from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, B.C., I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting journalism and talking about my cat. And the weirdest dream I've ever had, it's my recurring dream. Mm-hmm. It's my recurring stress dream. Um, all my teeth fall out. Mm. And I most people think it's like about lack of control, but I know it's because like I have bad teeth to begin with because my mom couldn't drink fluoride when she was pregnant with me. So I have like vivid fear of losing my teeth. So whenever I'm really, really stressed, my teeth fall out in my dreams. That's scary. Yeah, it's it's cute and fun and fresh. Love that for yeah. you. Thank you. And today's guest is Scott. Oh, hello, salutations. <laughs> hello, Scott. Hey guys. <laughs> Welcome to your third installment on the Aficionados. This is. I'm sure the listeners have just been eagerly waiting for me to come back. So. <laughs> now, since you've been on so many times, will you answer a question for me? I uh, sure. Um, for anybody who's listening to this podcast and wondering how they can be a guest, how is it that you became a guest for the first time? I creepily messaged you guys on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I still, I still remember this. I was sitting outside on my deck. It was nice in the summer 
And I, I randomly just looked up Lost Podcasts, and that's how I found you guys. And I can't remember which one of you guys went on a rant about how much you liked the Emperor's New Groove. That was I. Was I. That was it. And I was just like, yes, I like these people. And I just remember messaging you guys saying, hey, it's so nice that there's a, another Lost Podcast out there, and especially a new one. And you said, hey, why don't you come on? And that was it. And you said, okay. And I said, oh my god, yes. So would you say that it is very easy to become a guest on the Lost Podcast? <laughs> it is, it is, it's an elite group, but it is, e- yes, I would say it's easy. Okay, perfect. But it's, hey, it's elite, so. yet not exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it, but it, it's an absolute blast to do it. So if anyone's actually thinking about, like, hey, this would be fun, just do it. I have, I have no experience in any of this stuff. I'm a nerd with a pen pad and a pen, and, or a notepad and a pen, and that's it. And yeah. message them. It's fun. It's yeah, so, so do it. <laughs> um, so if this is the first episode that somebody who's listening to the podcast is hearing you in, would you introduce yourself, please? My name is Scott Taylor. I am from uh, a little town called Chilliwack, BC. I'm 34. According to my son, I drive an ice truck, i.e. I am an ice maker. <laughs> yeah, that is me. Cool. Talk about your experience with Lost real quick. Uh, experience with Lost real quick. Um, I finished Prison Break probably, I want to say it was like 2012, 2013, and I had said to my wife, hey, I want to find a new show to watch, and I think I'm ready, I'm, I'm going to watch Lost. So she bought the first two seasons for me for Christmas, and I finished the whole series by the end of February um yeah support him i did i did the full six seasons in about six and a half weeks and then we me and my wife got married and we went to honolulu for our honeymoon and about two weeks before we went i discovered oh my god that's where they filmed lost so i drug her to as many filming locations as i could find me that's honestly my type of honeymoon (laughs) yeah and she went along with it she was like super cool like like sure let's go let's go do this so you got a good one. I do have a good wife. Um, and I've watched the series, I want to say, three times through. And I tried to watch Chronologically Lost, but I just, uh, I don't have time to do it. And I, but I'd like yeah. to. So. Yeah, that's, that. I feel you. What's Chronologically Lost? Oh, this person who is, like, the coolest. Yeah. <laughs> way too much um, time on their hands to Way have done too it. much time. They took the entire show and they put it in chronological order, right? So basically the first episode is the entirety of Across the Sea, basically. And then uh, it just goes on and on with some of the Richard Alpert stuff. And then they put like the flashbacks in order and then all the Whoa. island stuff in order. And then all the three years later stuff in order. It's it's insane. And there's a lot of split screen stuff in it too. Like it's... it's- the 70s stuff. Yeah. Have you watched it? Um, I have seen. I think I ended up watching like twenty episodes of it. Okay. And then I and then I had to like do something else or watch something else, so I never got back to it. But eventually, I'll. It's like it's really it's not for the casual lost watcher. Lord no. And I think. And if someone was like, oh, I like watching things chronologically. This is not the way you start. You do not watch Lost this way. This is not the way that Lost was meant to be watched. No, I wouldn't even. But I have it all if we want to watch yeah, it. Yeah, I wouldn't even watch it like if you were going to go do Lost for the second time. Maybe like after yeah. you watch it two or three times and you'd be like, oh, okay, I remember this. I remember that. But yeah, yeah, do do not watch that first ever. Do not do that. Ever, yeah. ever. You are doing it wrong. Incredibly wrong. Plus, 
the the very first episode will spoil the rest of the show for you. Literally, yeah, yeah. yeah. literally yeah. the whole. And thing. if anyone is listening to this and has never watched Lost or is like, watching along with you guys, don't binge watch it like I did. It would have been so much more fun <laughs> to have watched an episode, listened to a podcast like you guys or the ones back when it originally aired. I wish I would have taken my time and watched it mm. and hashed out episodes and done all that instead of watching sometimes six episodes in a day. Yep. You know? So. Yeah, it's relatable. Yeah. It's one of those shows where, like, the experience matters as much as, like, watching it. Oh, big time. And that's and that's yeah. what I made yeah. sure I did with The Leftovers, was I watched one or two episodes, and then I found a podcast, and we listened to that, and let it sit for a day. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Um, Scott, where can somebody follow you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at HeyZambonyGuy. Um, I don't tweet a lot of stuff, but uh, most of the time when I do, it's lost stuff or stuff about wrestling or my other love of Disneyland. Yes. Oh, yeah. You recently went to Disneyland, and I so I gave Robin a challenge in the car. Oh. And I said, Robin, what do you think all of the lost characters' favorite rides at Disneyland or Disney World would be? Oh. oh what bit? was your favorite answer? Hurley would love Soren. Yeah. That one was my favorite one. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, we could do a whole podcast just on this. Now you got my Right? Eye. I know. Yeah. I was thinking about that, and then I was like, Robin said that Jack wouldn't actually enjoy the rides, but he would be, like, the super, like, uptight dad, like, making sure that everyone, like, had the park layouts and the meeting times and that everyone got to each ride with at, within the allotted fast pass time. Yeah. Yes. Like, all of that annoying stuff. That would be Jack. Yeah. <laughs> And you said that Sawyer and Juliet would like, um, 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 what did you say? Uh, Epcot, because they could go Dutch. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I can't come up with anything that clever so fast, because I'm just trying to think of, well, someone we haven't met yet, what their favorite ride would be. Mm-hmm. I I've think, been yeah. a good chunk of like our conversation in the back of my head trying to think about like what ride Ben would like. I still don't know. Would Locke like Alice in Wonderland because he's going down the hole? Like the I hatch? said that Locke would like Jungle Cruise. Oh, God, <laughs> yeah. Really bad jokes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Locke and Walt. And then that Locke and Walt would also like uh, Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin because they can shoot stuff. For yeah, points. and Toy Story Mania. Yeah. Buzz Lightyear is a terrible ride. Oh, my God. How dare you? Oh. Is it only terrible because you're bad at it? No, I'm That's, I'm not. I'm yeah. half decent at Toy Story Midway Mania, but I won't even bother waiting in line for Buzz. It's just <laughs> Oh, I never wait. I wait until the wait time zero, and then I go yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Scott, what's the weirdest dream you've ever had? Yeah. You know what? I, I always have these reoccurring ones where it's like part two, part three, part four. But oh, wow. they're, they're always, God, they're always about work. I always have ones where I walk in on a Saturday morning at 5 a.m. Like, where's, where's the ice? You guys took the ice out? Why did you take the ice out? I got groups on oh in like God. 30 minutes and I'm out there quickly painting ice, trying to put water down, free stuff. People are walking in and I'm like, ah, ah, ah. But yeah, I literally wow. have like part two, three, four, five, six, seven of the same dreams all the time. But, That's crazy. But the weirdest dream I've ever had, and it, it's, it, it always are stupid work dreams, is I always have dreams about our one sheet of ice. It's on a sand floor. And if anyone has anything to know about arenas, they have some idea. But it's it's on top of chicken mesh in my dream. And I'm always dreaming that I'm falling through into this pit. And, yeah. Oh That's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I fall into a pit? <laughs> I fall into a pit and I'm underneath the ice going, Hello? That's so no, scary. that's so scary. Yeah, so 
That is very claustrophobic. It is, yeah. and I am, I have, yeah, I am very claustrophobic, so. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh gosh, no thank you, yeah. thank you so much, yeah. no thank you. Yeah, no, 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 okay. no. Today we have words to say about episode 212 of Lost, Fire Plus Water. So listen, this is fire, fire and water is really Yeah, we call it, it's fire and water, but it's really fire plus water. Plus water, and there, and there's a difference between it for sure. But fire and water is what is known uh, pretty widely as the second worst episode of Lost. Yeah. Unless yeah. you don't like Expose, and then I think it's like third worst. See, yeah, I, except if you don't like Expose, I don't like you. <laughs> expose is way better than this episode. Snaps. Yeah. Expose, expose so had a good. coherent narrative arc. Yeah. Yeah. And it has the best plot twist ever. That's true. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. But... What's Expose? I want to talk about Expose instead. <laughs> interestingly. And and that takes us back to claustrophobia that ending too. Just mm-hmm. true. Mm, yeah. Interestingly, that episode and this episode are written by the same two dudes. You're kidding. But, yes. But Oh wait. <laughs> yeah. Calm down. So it just makes sense, you starting know. Starting with the title, fire and water are first of all things that really just don't go together. Fire happens in in the in the episode. Mm-hmm. Water happens in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's interesting is it's not called fire ampersand water or fire and water. It's called fire plus water, which yeah. is like a math equation. And if it was fire and water, it'd be like cool fire and water. But it being fire plus water, it's like these two things really um, cancel each other out. Yeah, like the extinguishing of. A lot of things. You know, something that we'll talk about a little bit later, like like a while <laughs> later, um, is that we had our lovely friend Claire talk a little bit more about some of the Bible aspects in this episode. Mm-hmm. And what did we decide? She she decided what she wanted her, like, occasional segment to be mm, called. Reverend Claire's Theology Corner, yeah. wasn't it? Reverend, Reverend Claire's Theology for Beginners. Ah, yeah. That's what she wanted to call it. But one of the things that she mentioned in her clip that I thought was really, really interesting is that in baptism, like, water is supposed to kind of, like, cleanse everything, right? And you were talking last night about how fire is also kind of like that. You know, it's like a beginning, Mm -hmm. you know, well, like... It's from the ashes sort of thing. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like, once it's done, it's, like, starting anew, Mm -hmm. um, starting over. And so is water if water, like, washes something away, you know? So that's also interesting with the concept of fire and water. So you would have thought I would have learned any of this when I had to go do baptism class for our son a year and a half ago. I don't remember any of this. I actually had to take a class? Yeah, we had to do, I want to say... Was it a couple of classes? Um, just learning about it and stuff like that. I actually had, was bugging my wife because she's Catholic. I'm like, you should come on this podcast with me because I don't know anything about it. So <laughs> yeah, and neither do we. And neither do we. <laughs> That's why we called Claire. Yep. We had to call in our token Catholic friend. Yeah. To explain basic theology to yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. But she she's great. Yeah. Um, and she. My one of my favorite things, honestly, is like listening to Claire talk about the Bible. Like, I don't know anything really, hardly anything about. But she makes the it Bible, very entertaining. But she makes it really funny. Yeah. Um, which makes it easier yeah. to to take in. I well, think and, she should really just quit her job and teach Bible study. Yeah. Well, in this show, it brings so much of of that into it. You know, like I know we'll talk about it later, but the 
um, the scene with that Ch Charlie's flashback, there's a lot of things in there that pertain straight to the Bible and stuff, right? So yeah. Exactly. So the broadcast date was January 25th, 2006. It was written by Edward Kitsis <laughs> and Adam Horowitz. And it was direct <laughs> directed by Jack Bender, who's my buddy. It makes so much sense that the Once Upon a Time writers wrote this episode. Yeah. So this episode, I do believe, is the only episode in the entire series who has a that has a bonus feature called anatomy of an episode, like making of an episode. For some reason, they don't do it ever again. Why this episode? Yeah. I have no idea why they chose to do it for this I want this, this for the constant. Yeah. Like, oh, Dude, man. you have to listen to the commentary on the constant because it's top notch. Okay. But it's just, so, you know, there's a lot of extra fun facts in this episode, thanks to that. And I have a few things that I wrote down from it that didn't really fit in with the story that we can talk about after Brittany does her recap oh boy this is kate yeah uh, it's gonna be a long one i'm gonna do a recap in the style of loss in eight minutes and 15 seconds but i'm gonna do it hopefully in under a minute that's the plan. yeah and if it's not in under a minute which it won't be um robin is gonna speed me up in post to sound like a chipmunk i'm gonna do it anyway that's not nice then people can't understand the funny jokes that i make and then when you have you on two times it's just really bizarre so oh my god yeah. that just must sound like one giant squeak yeah. I like to listen to it on slow-mo at that point because then it sounds like you're just like a drunk chipmunk and it's really funny. <laughs> drunk chipmunk, first of all, my band name. Mm -hmm. Second of all, great description of me as a person. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh my god, I'm gonna get drunk chipmunk like t-shirt. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Count me in, please. Three, two, one, go. On the island, Charlie dreams of the Christmas where his mom got him a piano. You can tell it's a dream because his brother is fully grown and wearing diapers, his dad is chopping up a baby doll, and the piano ends up on the beach with Aaron trapped inside. He wakes up and checks on the real Aaron and Claire, but Claire asks Charlie for some space instead. Wonder how that'll go. Sawyer and Kate flirt while gossiping with Hurley about Libby, and then they awkwardly talk about Anna Lucia and Jack. They're dumb. Charlie once again thinks Aaron is in peril while he's, he's his cradle floating in the waves. Plot twist, it's another dream, and this time you can tell because Claire and Charlie's mom are angels who tell him the baby is in danger. He wakes up standing in the ocean holding Aaron. Sounds safe. Claire slaps him. That's fair. Hurley and Libby flirt while doing laundry. Hurley is bad at it. Charlie asks Locke to put in a good word for him with Claire, but Locke isn't about that. Charlie then goes to Echo and completely misinterprets his advice about Charlie's dreams. He really needs to leave Claire alone. Charlie turns to the Mary statues instead. Locke catches him and takes them all. Locke agrees to move down next to Kate on the beach. Charlie starts a fire and tries to kidnap Aaron. Neat! He thinks the baby should be baptized. That doesn't go well. Locke punches him. Jack cleans up Charlie while Echo baptizes Claire and Aaron. Symbolism. Locke hides the Mary statues and Charlie indulges in his seen kid side. In the past, Charlie meets his brand new niece. He tells his sister-in-law Karen that his brother is late because he was stuck with a flat tire. He wasn't. He was high. Charlie tells him to shape up. They do a sad... AF commercial in diapers that Liam blows because he's high. There's a common thread here. Charlie writes a new song and he and Liam bond for a hot second before Liam stabs him in the back and sells his piano for rehab cash. What a brother. That was really long. It was really long. Almost two minutes. Oh boy. But it was well done. Yeah. Yeah. I stumbled because something in my brain, instead of writing Aaron and Claire, I'm so used to just writing Charlie and Claire. Yeah. So I yeah. just kept writing that. Mm -hmm. Good job, me. Alright, so, going into this here, I just have, like, a few thoughts from the anatomy of an episode that didn't really make it into any of my notes that I just kind of wanted to bring up. One of the first things that they were saying in there is they were, like, after- at, at the beginning of every episode, they're thinking, how are we furthering- blank's arc and so they were like how are we furthering charlie's arc and i'm like you're not you're actually bringing him backwards yeah but whatever i was gonna say furthering how in the, they yeah no 
Yeah. And I actually thought it was interesting because a lot of things say that, like, the bonus features aren't rated. Like, it's like, hey, everything here is like- Yes, you discovered that oddly last night. Yeah. Um, I was watching the- bonus feature and it had a picture of what the script looks like and it just had a giant f word in the middle of the page (laughs) well a lot of scripts do have like Mm -hmm. like the hero's pilot on the first uh the very first page of the hero's pilot script underlined in bold italicized he's fucking flying and that was like one of my favorite things ever from a script Mm -hmm. i love when writers just go off yeah they're like hey you, you don't have to hear it yeah, make it more fun to read. Yeah. Well, wasn't there just a thing that Lost concert they were doing um, about a month ago? Um, I overheard they were doing like reading of the scripts and stuff like that, and I thought there was yes, 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 tons of swearing and stuff. In it. And yeah, that's the way. That's what people want. It's more raw and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they were also mentioning that the reason why they brought this episode in was because they needed a twist for the mid season, and they wanted to put a wrench in Charlie and Claire's relationship. The wrench was already there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They didn't have to make him come out to look like a psychotic jerk that tried to drown a child. Yeah. That's exactly what he looks like. Cute. So weird. Mm-hmm. Um, they were saying that Dom would really love it because he likes dark things. Yeah, edgy scene kid. Makes sense. Um, I noticed that there were a lot of raised by another parallels, and so we can talk about those when we get there, but... Um, episode 110, which is Claire's first and only episode so far, mm-hmm. um, had a lot of parallels for this episode. Um, they also mentioned that it takes 10 days to make an episode, but they only have eight days to shoot it. So they, they usually have like separate crews happening. So they usually have two, two crews going at once. Yeah. So that's why people don't ever like fall behind. Like that's why directors don't ever do like two in a row. Because they are needed, like, with the other oh, okay. crew. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, that's it. I'd be burned out doing that. Yeah, I- oh, for sure. I mean, luckily, like, if you're one of the actors, if you're, like, Naveen, you're, you know, you, like, just have a, na- a Saeed episode, and then you're like, cool, I'm in this Charlie episode, putting out a fire, now I'm done for the for the week. Yeah, yeah. you get, like, the whole week off to just yeah. hang out in Hawaii. Yeah. Best job ever. Yeah. Cool, so, uh, we're gonna first start with the smaller, uh, pretty small- Storyline with Hurley and Libby. Yeah. Great. Okay. Perfect. This was like the only good storyline of the whole episode. Uh, yeah. I have a special attachment to the flashbacks in this episode. I love the diaper commercial. It's like one of my favorite Charlie flashbacks. That thing makes me cringe so much. I love it. I just love- They're having such a good time. Yeah. I don't know who the guy in the band was. He's got super, super black hair. The super yes, guy. you can tell he's smiling. He's just loving it. He's like, I don't give a shit that I'm getting paid for this, and my life, my whole career's over. I'm loving this, <laughs> and I just, I could watch his face do that commercial over and over, totally. And over again. Yeah. That actor was clearly, like, so happy to be on Lost. Oh, yeah. I bet you if we looked him up, he would had, had done nothing ever since. <laughs> you imagine? He's like, like ah. But he had a really, he had a nice chess piece tattoo, if that mm-hmm. was real. Yep. I'll say that. Yeah. So. Yep. Um, so going into Hurley and Libby here, the first thing we have is uh, Sawyer and Kate, like, doing physical therapy on Sawyer's arm. Love it. Kate, are you qualified for this, or is this just an excuse to touch Sawyer? I wrote down that exact same <laughs> note. I wrote, since when does Kate have any medical knowledge to any of this crap? Let them be cute. <laughs> no, it's cuter this way because it's like she has no medical knowledge. So she's like, I'm going to take on yeah. this job I'm not qualified for because I want to be around you. Aww. Yeah, you you go do your stretches now, Sawyer. Lift your arm up. Lift your arm down. Like, Good job, buddy. I'm like, since, since when? Why is Jack not doing this? Oh, that's right. He'd have to hug him and touch him. <laughs> 
make Kate do it. Ew. Like, oh, yeah. this isn't how physical therapy works, but that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, if this was a Joyer lens, he'd be, he's like, oh, I cannot. It's too much. It's I will be too overcome. Much. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Hurley asks about Libby because, uh, Sawyer spent some time with her and had mm. a few conversations with her. Uh, Sawyer, when you were over there across the island, how well did you get to know those tailies? Well enough, why? That Libby chick seems pretty cool. I mean, is she? Whoa, you got a little love connection brewing over there, Java? No, just asking. Yeah, I hear you asking. Yo, the fact that Hurley feels safe enough to be able to, like, confess that he has a crush to Sawyer. The the character development between those two is insane. It, it was such a middle, like, a, a chubby middle school kid moment. Yep. Like, 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 what did she say? Well, what did he say? Like, what did she say anything about me? Do you think she likes me? Like, what's she like? Yeah, I was just like, oh, this is just great seven all over again. I love it. Right? Like, did you pass her my note? Like, did she reply? Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, and they, they play cards later. And Sawyer doesn't ever, like, go over to Libby and is just like, hey, Harley likes you. Like, he, he doesn't do anything malicious. He just, like, tries to, like, help him along a little bit. Yeah, he, he wingmans him. Yeah. He hardcore like, wingmans him, he actually. He really does. Who knew that Sawyer would be a great Barney Stinson? I'm so happy that Hurley trusted Sawyer with this thing and Sawyer didn't immediately turn around and ruin it. Yep. Like, that's that shows character development already. Yeah. Season one Sawyer, under the bus. <laughs> Fully. He would have, like, used to get something. Mm-hmm. Oh, he would have gone after Libby just to do just to do that to Hurley, probably. Oh, oh he would have. Oh, that's a... Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and now he's like kind of in like a little thing with Kate, so he's just like, mm, never mind. <laughs> I'm I'm happy, so other people can now be happy. Yeah. <laughs> so what? There are a bunch of things that Sawyer references in like two sentences. Um. So the first thing he references is ooh, he says love connection Jabba. So love connection. Uh, when Hurley asks Sawyer if Libby is cool. Sawyer asks him if he has a love connection brewing. Love Connection was a popular American talk show, television series slash game show from 1983 to 1994. Oh, okay. Thanks, Lostpedia. And then Jabba. If you had to look up Jabba, I'm going to be didn't. mad it's at already you. He- I already knew Jabba's from Star Wars. Ask Robin if she's seen Star Wars. I haven't seen Star Wars yet either, so. Yeah, remember? I forgot I'm in the worst company. Mm-hmm. I know. I was like, as soon as you started doing that, I was just like, ha ha, we're with as, Scott. As soon as I started saying it, I was like, Scott hasn't seen Star Wars. No. <laughs> but it's too late. I, that sentence is already out of my mouth. We're going to be the only ones walking to Star Wars line at Disneyland and be like, someone's got to explain it. I don't get it. Yeah. That was me in Avatar Land. Like, I watched Avatar once, hated it, but I still went to Avatar Land. Mm. And it was still so magical. Mm-hmm. It was good. You know? Disney's just so good at that stuff. Yeah. Kate mentions that Sawyer's acting like he's in junior high. Because he developmentally, he is. Yeah. Oh, completely. He just likes being a dumb baby. <laughs> he just likes being a dumb baby. He does like being it's a dumb true. baby. So, Jack and Anna walk out of the forest jungle. And Sawyer is just like, ooh, <laughs> what's going on here? Sawyer doesn't know about Kate's awkward, weird kiss with Jack. Sawyer's just being a dumb gossip. He just likes being funny and cute. And Kate's just like, I feel embarrassed. But I think I would argue that he he knows that there's something between Jack and Kate. 
Right. He just doesn't know that anything's been acted on and that it's yeah. weird between them right now. So he's like kind of like, I always actually kind of wondered about this scene. because I was like, is he teasing her because he feels pretty content in his relationship with her? Mm. Or is he doing it because he feels insecure and he wants to see how she reacts? I think two things can be true. Ooh. I think both. Yeah, because he knows that she's definitely got a thing for him. And so he can mm-hmm. just kind of push her buttons on it to try to get a reaction out of her. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, he mentions that this is the third time that they that he's seen them coming out of the jungle. Basically, I mean, Sawyer, like, do you do nothing j- but sit around and watch everyone all day? Kind of. Yeah, I guess he really <laughs> can't do read. anything else. Yeah. At this point, he has nothing else to do besides physiotherapy and sit there and watch people and flirt. Flirt with Kate. <laughs> yeah. He lit. Oh my God! His entire job is to sit there and look pretty. God, wouldn't that That's be what- nice? Like, honest to God. Sometimes when I do something stupid, my mom will literally say, Brittany, just go sit and look pretty for a bit. And I'm like, (laughs) okay! Okay. I didn't Um, burn water. But at the end of last episode, Jack asked Anna Lucia, like, how long it would take to train an army. And so that's probably what they're doing, is they're thinking about it or something. I don't know. Oh, I like to pretend they were, like, um, picking mangoes or something. Because they looked so happy when they were talking. Yeah. And it's nice to see Anna Lucia look happy. Yeah. Just hanging out. Is that what we're calling it now, is picking mangoes? <laughs> yeah, that's what the kids are calling it now. Stuck in a net. That's what the kids are calling it now. Yeah, yeah. Be so lit. <laughs> um, Don't you sound old right oh, now? Yeah. <laughs> He's keeping up with the kids' vernacular. That's right. Hurley and Sawyer are playing cards because they are cute and they have friendship. Dharma cards. Yeah, I want some Dharma cards. And they're just like having like cute arguing. Like they're literally like talking about like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who wrote this? Like, they're literally, like, writing it, and they're like... And then they'll just, like, say some stuff about cards. Yeah. I think it's just, like, I don't know, everyone kind of messes around with card knowledge that no one else yeah. has. And that's the thing, is, like, on that island, if someone's just like, no, 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 like, that's not what it is, then you just have to be like, okay, well, no one can Google it, so. Wait, but, like, what are they even playing? It's not poker, is it? I think they're playing blackjack. Uh, Blackjack, yeah. that yeah. would make sense. But, like, when you... Like, they don't usually say this, like, on Big Brother, but the Big Brother house guests have mentioned that, like, since they can't Google anything, if they're, like, um, against each other on something, like, a fact from the real world, if they can find, I think, I think they said that if they can find two other people to back them up on something, that's what it is. That's the fact. Okay. That's just a fun thing that I think is interesting that they probably also would do on live. Oh, just, like, vote to see which one of them was right? Yeah, like, yeah. they'd be like, but, like, you can't be like, hey, um, how old is this person? This or this? Like, you'd be like, hey, um, how old is this person? And they're like, oh, 24. And you said, hey, how old is this person? If someone else said, um, I think they're 24. And it's like, that person said 24. Ha they're 24. Okay. Even if, like, if they ever got back and they Googled it and they're like, he's been 26 this whole time. Son of a bitch. See, I, w- <laughs> I was thinking, like, you meant, like, they were making up their own card game rules because neither oh. of them could figure out what the what the actual rules were. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, that too. But I mean, like, if they couldn't figure out what the rules were, and then they'd be like, hey, uh, Locke, what are the rules? And hey, Saeed, what are the rules? And then three of them agreed. Then they'd be like, cool, that's the Saeed's like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> Saeed's like, um, I'm trying to be productive. I don't know. The only thing Locke knows how to do is play mousetrap, so. Hey. hey. Um, so they are playing cards and everything, and Libby is walking around. She wants to go do some laundry. Oh, that reminds me. We have to do laundry. Oh, yeah, you said that. And Sawyer's like, oh, there she is. You guys do your laundry together now? That's Well, yeah, we live in the same house. That's so cute. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I love that. Is that cute? I don't Me, know. I don't even do my, my wife doesn't do mine and I don't do hers. So it's like a whole separate little world. Oh, I see. I see. We do them at the same time because um, we only have one laundry car. Yeah. 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 So yeah, Libby wants to do some laundry and so Sawyer's like, oh, like go talk to her. And Hurley's like, oh, that's okay. I'm, I'm good. Thank you. Sawyer makes some gross euphemism and he's like, that was graphic. Yeah. That was a graphic joke. Yeah. He calls him Jethro, which is the Beverly Hillbillies. Sawyer teaches Hurley about doing his laundry with Libby and refers to him as Jethro. Uh, is a fictional character in the 1960s television sitcom. I feel like Sawyer spent a lot of his his childhood just watching TV. Yeah, that's old too. And he also calls him Hoss. Bonanza! Sawyer calls Hurley Hoss. Eric Hoss Cartwright was a big man, the warm and lovable middle son of Ben Cartwright in the TV cowboy show that aired from 1959 to 1973. So you're telling me that Sawyer, once again, revolutionarily, made a fat joke? Yeah. Whoa! Pop culture joke, can you believe it? Whoa! So Sawyer calls Libby's name and just, like, runs. (laughs) Now that's a wig, man. I yeah, I love that. That's exactly like something that we would have done in grade like seven, eight, yeah. or something like that. To someone who knew. And like Libby doesn't even notice that like Hurley is not in any way southern and does not sound southern or sound anything like Sawyer. But she's like, yeah, that sounded like you. It's like Libby. Yeah. Like she knows what Sawyer's voice sounds like, but also a lot of the time she spent with him, he was uh um um, um unconscious, unconscious, yeah. and she hasn't really talked to Hurley much. So I guess I get it. Yeah. Okay. It's it's that sheepish little boy smile and wave that Hurley gives her at the end that I'm, I just love. Oh, hi. I just want to hug him all the time. And He looks like a huggable doesn't guy. Doesn't he? A little tight bear. And so he's like, yeah. hey, Libby. And she says, hi. And that's that scene. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> so they're doing their laundry. Classic laundry stuff. Oh, yeah. And the washing, the drying. Yeah. The soap. Mm-hmm. Classic laundry stuff. And Libby notices that the appliances are newer than everything else in the hatch. Hmm. I don't think this... How did that? I don't think this ever, like, really comes back, but it's just something that people noticed in, like... Like, right away? Right away in the first, like, four episodes, and so they're like, guess we'll bring it up. Mm -hmm. That's genius. Guess we'll bring it up, but you'll never get your answer. Yeah. No. And I love Hurley's answer to it, like, eh, washes clothes. Yeah, it does the job, so whatever. Does the job. So it's like, oh, okay, that's how you explained it. Thank you. You very much, Linda. <laughs> Meanwhile, the props department's like, "Sorry, we couldn't find vintage washers and dryers, you jerks." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so Libby's like, "Hey, I found this shirt. Do you like it?" Oh, bless his heart. And he's like, "Sure." Uh. <laughs> She's like, "Well, okay. Well, when somebody asks you that question, you're supposed to say nice things. You're supposed to express an interest so that they know that you are interested." In them. Without hesitation. Yeah. You don't even look. You just say yes. Yep. 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 Be like, oh, yeah. Don't look. Don't hesitate. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Does this look nice? Yes. <laughs> but now... <laughs> That's the key to relationship. But it kind of makes sense. You bet. Because then he is looking at her and he's going, do I know you? Hmm. And she's like, what? <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> yeah, you stepped on my foot. Where would Hurley know her from? Um, but actually... That doesn't lead to anything. I cannot believe you don't remember stepping on my foot. I did? Yes, you did. And it was hard. I know that because I remember you. You were the last one on the flight, and you were all sweaty, and you had headphones on, and... Crunch! You stepped on my foot. 
Actually, that's a continuity error. Alright, here's a paragraph. It's a paragraph. Libby tells Hurley that she can't believe he doesn't remember her from the plane because he stepped on her foot when he was getting on after barely making the flight. She says she remembered him, the last person to get on the flight, arriving sweaty and wearing headphones and then stepping on her foot. However, Libby was seated in the tail section. Duh. And thus, Hurley could not have passed her on his way to his seat. (gasps) Additionally, in the flashback scene to Hurley catching the flight, it shows that while he was the last person on the flight, he did not put his headphones on until after he'd already sat down. Oh. Mm -hmm. That's right. And he looked at Walt and gave him the thumbs up. That's right. And then read his comment. So many inconsistencies. Mm -hmm. Hmm. You would have thought they would have thought someone would have looked all this stuff up and said, I bet you they're going to analyze this one day. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe fifty. Maybe twelve years later, no one, no one's gonna notice yeah. them. They, they did not know that they were creating monsters that would then shape the like course of television history. Which is, I'm gonna analyze this way too closely. Mm-hmm. This ev- everything oh, yeah. about Westworld is a hundred percent lost fault. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. So she tries on the shirt and she's like, "Hey, do you like it?" And he's like, "Sure." <laughs> and I'm like, "This is the most early 2000s shirt I've ever seen." Yeah. And he's like, it's awesome. And she's like, okay, thanks. Awesome's good enough. Awesome's okay. Yeah. What do you guys think yeah. would be like the best thing for him to say? Beautiful. Or like, that looks, actually, that looks really, really nice on you. I like it. Hmm. The, the, the gorgeous thing always works. He should have said, oh my God, slay, yes. Okay, we're not looking for this to be queer eye. Oh. Okay. Okay. And also the Fab Five would never okay that shirt. No. Tan no. would be like, please. Yeah, like, take that off. <laughs> Honey, I know this is a deserted island, but you can do better. Yeah. And also French tuck. Hello. I think he could have just said, like, you look beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but really? Awesome. Or if he wouldn't even, I'm almost surprised they just didn't have him not say anything at all and just kind of be like, duh, duh. Yeah, duh. like dumbstruck. You know, oh, yeah. that, that, that's more, that almost seems more Hurley-ish just to kind of, uh, like, he didn't get, like, hey, I'm going to try this shirt on, turn around so you don't see me naked. So... That's a good point. That would have been far more in character. Shout out to Hurley mm. for doing the absolute least and not turning around. <laughs> the bar is just so low. Yeah. He's just so clueless and I just, oh. I absolutely love this. Bless him. Oh, oh, there's also a deleted scene that I think I wanted to bring up. A deleted scene? Here we go. A deleted scene from this episode is an extended version of Hurley and Libby's laundry scene. Hurley asked what Libby did before the crash, and she told him that she was a psychologist specializing in marriage and children. Libby asked Hurley what he did before the crash, and he informed her of his lottery winnings. Hurley was amazed to see that Libby believed him about this, leading Hurley to ask Libby to go on a walk in what would become their first date. Wait, why would... You should include that part of the scene and not the trying on clothes part of the scene. Literally. What? Why would you cut that character growth? Yeah. Okay. So that's fun. I don't know how I feel about that, guys. Next. Oh, Jack helps Anna build her tent. I think this is very inefficient tent building. Yeah. And where in the hell did they get a perfectly brand new blue tarp from? Mm. Right? Like, no rips, no nothing. I'm like, that thing looks like it just dropped out of Canadian tire. (laughs) Like, there's no way. Who, like, who's who's traveling on an airplane with bags and bags of tarps? Fully. Ooh, but counterpoint, could it have come from the hatch? Ooh, maybe, maybe, maybe. That place is full of weird stuff. Yeah, that's hair. But did they have, well, I guess if they dropped brand new washers and dryers, I was going to say that looks like a fairly modern tarp, but. That's where I thought you were going when you said drop from Canadian Tire. I'm like, yeah, literally from the sky. Yeah. 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 And so Anna's saying to Jack, like, they talked about friendly and about, um. A boat. Sorry. (laughs) I heard it when I said it, too. 
Also, today at the post office, you said, um, shoot, what did you say? No! You said something like, oh yeah, I found out that, um, <gasps> No! Yeah, oh, my accent's getting so thick, and yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, oh no. <laughs> so... He's like, like, listen, we talked about what happened with Friendly and everything, but, like, why did you surrender? And he's like, oh, well, because they had Kate. They were going to hurt Kate. And Anna Lucia is like, oh, so are you hitting that? <laughs> Can't say I love that word choice. That's what yeah. we said in the early 2000s. I don't like it. We're like, oh, you, you hitting that? And he's like, excuse me? <laughs> I'm a doctor. I, and I didn't want to see my friend die. But yeah. I guess that just proves that I'm hitting that. Oh my gosh, you guys. Like, the jaders. If this was happening, like... Oh, the romance. You hitting that? Imagine that on gift sets. Dude. <laughs> you hitting that? If this was happening right now, like, the jate fandom would be, like, freaking out. They'd be like, oh my god, Anna Lucia is one of us! Yeah, oh my god, they would. Yeah. They would claim Anna Lucia for their own, and then if she had any interest in Jack, she'd be, like, crucified. Yeah. 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 And so... She's like, hey, like, you're both hot. So bisexual Anna Lucia confirmed, question mark. Ooh. That totally flew past my radar, but now I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Well, either way, Michelle Rodriguez is like, please, please, please. I have the representation that this show badly needs. Yeah. And so he's like, um, no, I'm not. Yet. I wish. (laughs) Do you think if they would have made the show now, they actually would have made her completely bisexual you know what i mean yeah totally like because they, they hinted at it so much but there was no one in that show that ever completely came out and was like i'm this way or i'm this way you know what i mean and exactly it, it, and especially with her like it would have done it, it, it at least would have made people like her more because i know the first time i watched it through i was like oh god i can't stand this woman she's just so salty Same. and pissed off all the damn time but yeah. Now way, I understand her the most. Yeah, ex- <laughs> it, 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 exactly. You know. I think they totally. I I wish that Lost had done more, like with like the community. But I yeah, I think you're right. I think they totally would have gone for it. Yeah. If they had been brave, <laughs> or they should have. Because the only thing they really kind of dove into back then was the whole Saeed like airplane terrorist thing that was the only i guess back 2004 2005 that's the only thing anyone was really worrying about or anything at the time right yep like that was the only like big hot button thing they ever kind of brought up which is so weird because it's like someone's sexuality shouldn't be like considered a hot button thing but it is like someone being bisexual or gay or lesbian or trans on a tv show is still like not normalized so it's like like you know people flock to different shows if they know there's representation on it and like that's cool but it also makes me sad yeah one and i I know we can get into a whole different podcast on this over it like i still i'm i'm still one of those people like if if gay people want to get married let them get married it doesn't affect you who cares let everyone just be happy you know that's, like, my whole thing is, like, whenever people are like, oh, it's a sin, I'm like, but I'm the one sinning, yeah. so why do you care? It's not, it's not like when I was born, I was like, hey, I choose to like girls. No, it's just, that's, that's the way everyone was born. You're born that way, you're born that way. Everything's normal. Everyone's just gonna calm down. And it's literally as whole, as old as human history. Yeah. Humans have been this way forever. Yeah. And at least now people are actually able to stand out with, and say with pride, hey, I'm gay, or hey, I'm transsexual, or, you know, like, it's... Yeah, 
it's it's yeah. I know we, that's what I'm saying. We can get into a whole other thing, but at least it, it, <laughs> no, yeah. we completely dovetailed. But like, it was important. It, yeah. Once we finish, like, once we finish the um the series, we're gonna go and do topic episodes, and that's definitely gonna be one of them. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. All right. Should we talk about Charlie? No. Do we have to? This is my least favorite part of the episode, and it's really long, so I'm sorry in yeah. advance, but I think we have important things to talk about with it, so. It's, like, it's like awkwardly bad what they do to him in this episode. Mm-hmm. Because this is, I think it's, I've watched this episode, like, I don't know, half a dozen times, and I still watch and I still, I still question, like, why? Like, they went through, like, I know, like, you probably want to go through it, like, step by step of yeah. the whole thing. So I'll let you, I'll just let you do that and then I'll ramble later. All right, here we go. Welcome to a dream back. Uh, in Ooh. the, uh, in the anatomy of an episode, uh-huh. I was reading the whiteboard on the, behind the writers, in the writer's room. Yeah. And they called it a dream back because it's a flashback, but it's a dream. I like it. So yeah. there you go. Uh, first of all, we start with a close on the baptism of christ painting uh the painting hanging on the wall in charlie's dream is the baptism of christ and assisted uh, it was by on girl because i don't want to say andrea but it's probably andrea let me see it verrocchio i know it's definitely verrocchio either way it's probably andrea andrea del verrocchio and assisted on by leonardo da vinci uh it depicts the <laughs> Can bat- imagine being assisted by, by leonardo da vinci yeah. <laughs> he's like actually you should probably do more shading there yeah you're like, oh, thank you, Da Vinci. <laughs> Thanks so much. Uh, it depicts the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist, uh, which, of course, Claire will talk about a little bit later once we get to the actual baptism that happens this episode. Charlie's vision on the beach is based on this painting, with Claire and his mother assuming the positions of the angels to the left. Charlie's mother is the one that, in the original painting, was executed by Leonardo. Although, or, oh, executed by Leonardo, as in Leonardo painted that one? Yeah. Oh my god, I was literally just like, how did he kill a character that- Anyway, sorry, I'm stupid. No, you don't want to know why I'm stupid? Mm. Because even though I know what we're talking about, you said executed by Leonardo, and my brain went Ninja Turtle, like, immediately. (laughs) Like, I know that that's not what we're talking about, but Mm. there's a Ninja Turtle in my brain anyway. Okay, cool. It's because you're an 80s kid, and that's what we go to. It's true. Although Jesus and John do not appear in Charlie's vision, the angels appear, Claire and his mother- as does the dove that flew toward Charlie. In the painting, the dove is released from God's hands. Okay, either way, here's the painting. Here it is. But we know that Charlie is religious. Like, he ha- had the Virgin Mary statues. He goes to, what's it called? Confession mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, so this is just another, like, showing that his family is religious with the, this painting in their living room. He has bunny slippers on. Oh. This is Jeremy Shada, or it could be Shada, but I'm pretty sure it's Shada. Robin um, loves this kid. I do love him. Yeah, I know. He does good work. Yep. He's a very tiny man. Yep. Um, However, uh, he is now 21 years old. That's weird. He's 20. Tw- oh, For- now. I was- okay. Yeah. He's 20. <laughs> I, I, was, I, I had a complete dumb moment. Where I'm like, holy crap, that kid was 21 years old. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's Christmas, Liam. I'm 21 years old. Oh, that's fantastic. Do you think the bunny slippers were just a little nod to a Christmas story in the bunny pajamas? Yeah. Just saying. Absolutely. I want to think looks, so. That kid looks like him, too. Yeah. Well, yeah. he's coming. Yeah. He's coming down the stairs exactly like Ralph. I don't know. Um, but Jeremy Shada, I believe, is in at least one other episode playing young Charlie. But um, other people might know him as the voice of Finn from Adventure Time. That's wild. Yeah, so that's Jeremy. That's um, a, that's a huge job. Like that's a huge role. My sister was like obsessed with him for like a while because Adventure Time was like her favorite show. Oh, okay. So she like loved him. I'm so out of it. I have never even heard of Adventure Time. My God. 
Wait, what, what rock are you living under? You have a kid. I have. I have never. I have never heard of Adventure Time. You, what? Please explain. It's, um, it's a kid show. It's a. It's kind like, of. It's, it's kind of like Bob's, but like not like Bob's Burgers, but yeah. like a little bit less. I would say like okay. for teenagers, maybe. Yeah, for teenagers. It's, yeah, like it's cartoon teen network. programming, Cartoon yeah. Network stuff. Yeah. I legit have never heard of it. That's wild. That's kind of blowing my mind because, like, even though I deeply don't like anything animated that isn't Bob's Burgers, I know a lot about Adventure Time just mm-hmm. by osmosis. I've seen a lot of, of Adventure Time. Lemon Grab is the best character to come out of anything. Is that the guy with the head shaped like a lemon? His head shaped like a lemon, and he screams. Oh, same! I got some YouTubing to do tonight. Yeah! Please look up Lemon Grab. He's, like, the light of my life. Dude, I actually, like, legit have a picture where, like, me and my best friend from high school, Erica, Mm -hmm. we bought lemons, and we drew Lemon Grab's faces face on it if you go through my facebook profile pictures there is a picture of me and erica with these lemons that we drew lemon grabs face on all right you all talk i'm gonna be finding that oh okay yeah go ahead anyway he's finn from adventure time a fun fact is that the kid who plays liam uh is actually jeremy's actual brother so they're they're actually brothers that's so sweet yeah i like that too but they're both neither of them are actually english they do pretty convincing accents it was pretty convincing And I loved on the anatomy of an episode seeing Dom talking to Jeremy and being like, what you're doing is kind of like too London-y. Like, this is how I would actually like say it Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know? Like, and he was taking his note because he's a professional child. Good kid. A child. Ooh, there's another fun fact, actually, that already like segues into our parallels of Race by Another is that this house is the exact same location as the psychic's house in Race by Another. Oh, right. So that's cool. That is cool. It's Christmas morning, Liam! Oh my goodness. It's Christmas morning! (sighs) But all of the presents are for Liam and none of them are for Charlie. Father Christmas hates you. (laughs) Father Christmas hates you! So did Charlie just walk by that big old covered thing for like a number of days and didn't notice it? (laughs) Fully just doesn't care. You want to think that they brought it in like... Because you always see like on TV shows that all the parents just bring in all the presents like during Christmas Eve Mm -hmm. when the kid goes to bed. That never happened in my house. This stuff was always under the tree for like a week or two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom does that. We still do that. We hide our stuff until um, Christmas Eve and then we all sneak down at different times to put it under the tree. Oh, that's fun. See, I do that with with stockings. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I have to wait till like, 1 o'clock in the morning till my wife falls asleep, and then I start tiptoeing around the house, but... Oh, that's so cute! Yeah, I'm super husband, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to brag about it, but uh, I am, though. I am, though. In the writer's room, they were mentioning that originally the piano was just going to be Liam's. I'm not sure... What? I'm pleased with the change that they make. I'm not made, I'm not sure why they would do it that, but... That's something. Why would they make the piano Liam's? Then Liam gets everything for Christmas and Charlie gets Jack's what? They're like, oh, shoot. Um, I guess share it. I don't know. That's so weird. Can you even like borrow it sometimes? I don't. Sorry, Charlie. We fully forgot to buy you presents. (laughs) Liam gets Voltron. Voltron. Voltron, defender of the universe. Uh, he receives the Voltron toy. Voltron toy based on the animated television series. Oh, so cool. Have fun with your Voltron. It wasn't even wrapped. No, it wasn't. Charlie gets the piano 
Because Santa must know how talented he is. Yeah. And I love that he knew that, like, it really came from his mom because he hugged yeah. his mom instead. Yeah. He knew that it came from his mom. That's sad. I mean, well, it's kind of, you know. It's so Charlie. Yeah. Um, and she says, someday you're all going to get us out of here. Oh. Which, ha- which I have season three thoughts and I want to cry. It's a piano. This is mine? Yes, Charlie. Father Christmas must have known how talented you are. <laughs> you're special, love. Someday you're gonna get us out to here, all of us. That's a lot of pressure There's, to put on a kid. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's like telling your twelve year old, you'll make the NHL one day and you're gonna make mom and dad rich. Mm. Oh, oh, that sounds even worse. You know? But I have questions about this. Like when she was saying that, I was like, that's a lot of pressure to put on some little yeah. kid. Like, and what's wrong? What is wrong with you? Yeah, they look like, like they're wrong? really wealthy. They have a nice house. She bought him a piano. Yeah. Someday you're all going to get us out of here. Where are you? What's wrong? Yeah. What, what do you, you have a big, beautiful house from? with tons of presents under the tree. Yeah. And your father... So that's a question I have. Your father has a good job. He may even own his own butcher shop. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And cutting up dolls is just a side hobby. <laughs> yeah. For Alice Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> that was very confusing for a second there. <laughs> he has doll heads oh, on stage. I got confused. <laughs> oh my god, dude, you were thinking just Alice Cooper from Riverdale, weren't you? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I know who he means. And Robin was like, hi, I don't get this. <laughs> I can feel Scott's... Millennials. Oh, I shake my... Hey, I, I know... T- I, mine's two things. I remembered both. There we go. Scott, can I can I dare you to watch Riverdale? Because it's like the light of my life right now. I do actually. Well, because how you guys talked about it, I almost feel like I should skip season one and go right into season two, but I can't do that. I should actually watch it. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm. Dude, Scott it's actually deeply stupid in a way that I enjoy. It is so entertaining. Yeah. I. It's, it's not like, good, but sometimes it is good. It's like probably in my top five shows. Like, like it's it knows that it's cheesy, but in the best way. It's so for, entertaining. It's so good. For you guys, I will tomorrow night. I will watch season one, episode one, because I'm kind of I'm done. Yes, I'm done all my stuff on Netflix right now, so I'm kind of I need something. Oh my god! Okay, uh, live tweet or DM us. Because I want to know your thoughts. Okay, I will. If I if I can if I can watch it tomorrow night, I will. So okay, you should, because I love it. It's I can't find this picture of you with the lemons, but I have found multiple pictures of someone's foot. What is what? wrong with you? What? Let me see what you, what you just you have like about? random pictures of feet, and then like are you are you in my profile pictures? Yes, like it's just like everyone dancing around. Yeah, that, then, th- those are not my profile pictures. That was not ever my profile picture. Oh yeah. Yeah, that, that I didn't take that. If that helps. Oh, okay. Sorry. Anyway, you're super not in my profile pictures. I didn't know I was supposed to be in your profile I, pictures. I'm pretty sure I specifically said profile pictures. I did she not did. hear that. Okay, well I did. Here, I, I'll be the voice of reason. Well, it's- thank you. Damn, Damn it. it! I'm finding it right now, just for you. I know exactly where it is. I was in. There it is. Boink. Oh well, that was easy. All right, fine. Me and Erica, two lemon grabs that we drew. Can you tell which one was me? The worst one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so now they turn into adults. But one is in diapers. But one of them is in a diaper. Sure. It's because of the commercial later. But their father is a butcher. Yeah. And fun fact, actually, I believe their father only shows up one other time and he's a new actor. Oh. 
Okay. So, but as if we see this guy's face anyway, like it doesn't really matter that much. But he doesn't seem to believe in Charlie's like music ability. And, ooh, what I did notice was that he calls him Charlie Boy. So it's not like he's being like, okay, Charles, or like, you suck. And like, it doesn't seem like he's a bad father. It just seems like he really wants, like he says that he wants them to be in a trade. Like he just, you know what I mean? Don't waste your time on music, Charlie. Yeah. I think he's a father that would not have fostered any sort of creativity or imagination Mm. in his kids. I think he was probably an absent father. But by him calling him, like, the nickname Charlie Boy, I think it shows that he does care about his son. Yeah. Yeah. And just don't go waste your time on something that you're probably, you may not ever make money in. Here's a trade. Here... Probably, he probably does own his own shop. Like, here, you guys can walk right into this job, you and your mm-hmm. brother, yep. and just do what I did for the rest of your life. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then he starts cutting baby dolls, because it's a dream. I mean, why not? Yeah. They're like, oh, save us, Charlie, you have to save us. And then we go back to the island, and he's playing piano in the surf, because it's a music video. Okay. What, like you do? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He's got the fate fingers back on his hand. What do you think that symbolizes? I don't know, because I was thinking about that. I'm like, we haven't seen the fate finger wraps in a long time. Like, not since, like... I didn't notice that. Early season one. I noticed it when I was watching it yesterday. I was kind of like, hey, those those have been gone for a long time. So is it kind of him coming back to that? I just got out of, like, the drugs and the band and all that. Mm. Is it him kind of reverting back to that, like two, three weeks ago, or I don't even know how long it would have been on that island at that point. That stage of his life? That sounds... Or sobriety, maybe? I don't know. My my first thought was that, like, the last time... Like, the reason why he stopped wearing those was because Ethan was leaving them as a trail. So I thought that... I don't know why I thought this, but, like, him wearing them again made me think that maybe he... When he was wearing those, something bad was about to happen to him, right? Like, he almost yeah. died. Yeah. He he was, like, it was hung li- from literally, a like, acts of fate. So in my mind, and I don't know, this might be way off, I might be reading way too far into it, but in my mind, him wearing those again probably signifies to him that something bad is going to happen again. I like that. You're probably right. No, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I definitely don't think you're wrong. I think that there's a deliberate reason why they put those back on there. Because yeah. there's... Like, you don't just do something random like that in the wardrobe department. Not on Lost. No. No. No, nothing on this show happens just out of out of chance, either. Like, nothing. And it could just be because, like, the word fate and everything is a big theme in the show, mm-hmm. right? So maybe they're just being like, oh, like, yeah, yeah he, bringing him back to whatever. But, but that's my big idea on it. I like but, it. Yeah, I don't know. I like that. Uh, there's a fun fact, actually, in... The original idea for... I'll put it in in post. Yeah, but I like being my own fun fact song. Originally on... I think it showed it on the script or they might have mentioned it, but there was going to like be blood that started pouring out of the keys. And then like when he opened the lid, there would be like horror and gross stuff in there. And they were like, let's not. I'm really glad they That's, didn't. Yeah. And yeah, especially that is such a ripoff if they would have done that. And you guys might not have ever seen this, a ripoff of a Garth Brooks music video. Because that's exactly what happens in a music video. It's not blood, but it's um, paint that starts pouring out of the keyboard oh. as he's playing it. 
that's such a that? specific reference that like i never would have gotten but like i know and i re- i just remember the music video from when i was a kid mm. oh my god but also that parallels the dream that claire has at the beginning of race by another she like sees Locke. he has like two different colored eyes and then she like walks over to the crib and there's blood in the crib that's right yeah I, mean, I think it was just like it was they were leaning because this show actually does really well with subtlety and mm-hmm. i think it was just we're leaning way too hard on the symbolism yeah here. which is the reason why and we'll talk about this a little bit later but that's the reason why they didn't put angel wings on claire yeah. and mrs pace or i guess megan i guess her name is they like specifically only did halos because they thought the wings would be too much and i think that was the they right were abs- call they was sure. the right choice yeah Mm-hmm. So it, it, it kind of implies that Aaron is inside the piano, however that happened, and that he can't get it open. But, like, he's not. <laughs> the piano starts to wash away, and another fun fact, sorry, there are so many fun facts right now, but I watched the anatomy of the episode. They took the innards of the piano out, and they just put, like, styrofoam-type thing inside so that it would be able to wash away and wouldn't just sink in the sand because it was so heavy. Which is, like, that is uh, some magic because I would never have thought to do that. Yeah. No. It's a dream, though. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. okay. However, it does use the flashback whoosh, which it's not supposed to do. Maybe, be, but maybe because it's half and half? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. So, uh, Charlie goes running over, like, to find them. The cradle is empty, and so he's like, oh my goodness gracious. And so he runs over to the sun, he's like, oh my gosh, where are they? And she goes, they're literally two feet away from you. They're like, they're, they're right there. They're totally fine. And so he sees them, and then- he sees that Locke walks up to them. Can you believe that a person's being friendly? I, this, this is what irritates me is like, he immediately sees Locke as a threat and he's been seeing like Locke as a threat for a while. And I'm like, why is Locke a threat to you? She's not allowed to have like more than one friend. And there's a, there's a little bit of an age difference there too. You know, like Charlie definitely has some jealousy issues. And like, after watching this, like, I don't believe that Locke is trying to move in on Claire at all. No, no, not at all. Like, not at all. So like, I really don't understand. Like, cause he did this a couple episodes earlier, getting all pissy about it. And it's just like, dude, like, calm down. She's not your girlfriend. You just met. Don't start getting all clingy and shit like that, you know? And it's so messed up to assume that, like, one, that you have any claim over Claire in the first place, but two, that Claire would then engage in a relationship with Locke. Mm-hmm. Like, wh- why would she do that? Well, and as well, like, is it a, is it more jealousy over Locke and Claire or Locke and Aaron? You know what I mean? Yeah. So you can definitely see that Charlie does feel like he is his father. Because he yeah. was there from the beginning, and is it, is it kind of like the, the, the divorced dad, and now there's the new boyfriend kind of moving in on his territories. I, I, that's what I almost, I see it more maybe he's trying to take Aaron from him, even though, you know, right. you know what I mean? That's it. That's a damn good point. Right. But like looking at it from an outside perspective, you're like, Locke is literally just being a person <laughs> who wants yeah. to see a baby. Yeah. Wow. Can you believe somebody wants to see a baby? I, I, I can't imagine. We, we look at puppies and babies. We gotta see the baby. We have to tell everyone the baby we saw today. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. My, oh my god. Yes. Okay, tell the story. Okay, oh god, so we're driving, we're driving through East Van, and we're at a stoplight, and we were we were pretty seriously oogling this dog that we named Annabelle. Yeah. Um, that was the happiest dog I've ever seen. So happy. Annabelle was a hopper, like she was having a really good day. She was hopping along, like checking it out. Like, today's a damn good day. Yeah, it was a great day to be a dog. And so... I look over as we pull, like, as we're just kind of waiting, 
And we see this kid, and this kid is also doing the hopping. She's probably, like, what, two, two maybe, maybe yeah. three? And um, she's hopping along and, like, holding on to her mom's hand. And we're like, why is she hopping? Like, what a silly kid. Yeah. <laughs> they, get to, they get to the corner. And her mom just very, very, like, no nonsense, leans down, pulls the kid's pants back up. <laughs> her pants walk away. She was hopping because her pants were around her ankles, but we couldn't tell because she had like a little park on. Her pants were all- <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> she wasn't wearing wearing pants. Um, continuing on. Like we're just going to jump back in. We have not been gone for the last twenty minutes no. with internet yes. technical difficulties. So anyway, Locke is a normal person who wants to see a baby. Sorry, me. So, have you seen those cheeks? Why wouldn't you want to see that baby? Yeah. Oh my god. So cute and chubby. Little feet. And when um, it's like sticks his little tongue out, and I'm like, oh my god. Like I feel with Locke, he's just kind of more thinking that he's kind of like Uncle Locke. You know what I mean? Not trying yeah. to be like, hey, I want to get with you, Claire Locke. No, Claire he's really like, safe. I like this baby. Claire feels safe around Locke, so of course she's going to be like, I feel really unsafe recently. Let me find somebody who I feel safe around. Yep. Yeah, because Jack's creepy and... Sawyer's busy gallivanting around with Kate, and I would feel safe with Kate. Well, and Locke Lock built them a crib, for God's sakes. Yep. Like, those things are expensive. But- you you go to be- Bye Bye Baby, and you go buy one for less than 500 bucks. I dare you. So. What? For a baby oh. bed? Then you go to the mat- buy the mattress. They don't even include those. Well, that's ridiculous. I'm going to build my own. It's hard times now, I tell you guys. Hard times. Oh. And, like, if Sam and I, like, want to, like, eventually have kids, and we're like, oh, great. So, on top of that, we have to pay for, like, to even have mm-hmm. the kid. And then we have to get all this expensive stuff. How do people afford to have kids? Baby showers. Baby showers. Baby showers. Ooh, good point. And used crap. So. Mm. <laughs> we'll loan you our child for for the weekend as a trial, if you would like. <laughs> I would love that. Are you kidding me? You have the cutest kid in the whole world. Uh, he tries at times, so. He succeeds at all times. I forgot what we were not supposed to be talking about cute babies. Oh, well, that, that's relevant. Oh, but yeah, you, but, it feels relevant. But you can talk about my cute baby because he's the cutest baby in the whole wide world. He is. No, I'm not one of those parents. Oh, God. They make me sick. I'll be that person for you. Oh, thank you. Okay, I'll let you. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. So Charlie's pissed off about nothing. What else is new? Classic. Then we f- switch over to the next scene. Claire's still writing in her diary, which is great. That's very cute. I don't know how, like, they're continuing to not run out of pens. But... I love that that is, like, a consistent thing that mm-hmm. she's doing. That, like, they're remembering that. Well, she probably knows that if they get off the island, she can sell that diary for a ransom for a, as a good book. That's so true. <gasps> I never even thought about that. Right? Single mom, gotta have some income, sell the book. Keep it going. She's a genius. She's Charlie a genius. made some diapers. And she's like, okay, this is that's enough. Like, yep. thanks, but I need you to give me some space. Um, like I've already asked you. He says he's sorry, makes it clear that he's very jealous of Locke. Has he been asking about me? Charlie, don't. I'm sorry. I should have told you about the statue. And what was in it. I just wish things could get back to the way they were before. There is no before, Charlie. We were strangers on a plane and we became friends. Now Locke's your friend, huh? Please, Charlie. Just for now, give me some space, okay? She's being so clear 
She's yep. being like, this is a very easy thing you can do. She does not have to be this nice, no. honestly. She's being very nice about it. She does not have to be this nice. No. no. She, she could be much ruder this. and she'd still be valid. It's not like he ate, she does- He didn't eat the end of the ice cream. He brought heroin to where they were. Exactly. That you can't come back from. Mm-hmm. Exactly, like she's more within her bounds to be to tell him to just f- off. Yeah, and the, and the fact that she doesn't, the fact that she still is kind to him, is more than he deserves. Totally, and I respect, like, as an addict, like you know, you know, addiction is a disease, and I respect everything about that. What I don't respect is when the addiction, like impacts other people so negatively yeah so going back into another dream of charlie's he's tuning his guitar and he sees aaron's cradle in the ocean and when i first saw this i i really like think that moms probably have dreams similar to this probably like right after they have a baby they i bet they have nightmares that their baby's in peril all the time but the difference is that um charlie has not had a baby yeah charlie said that he couldn't swim in 105, he mm-hmm. actually can. Uh, Why would he say that then? To get out well, of swimming? We, we theorized in the 50 oh, that's or right, 105 that's right. podcast that he's probably just uh, a coward. Which is, is kind of true, but he overcomes because that's his yeah. arc. Is that he just didn't want to go out into the choppy waters to save Joanna. Fair. I wouldn't either. Because no one knew who Joanna was. You are so Slytherin. Why would why would he risk himself? Yeah, who the heck is Joanna? Why, why, why risk your life for a character that no one knew? You risk that stuff for Jack. Claire. <laughs> Jack and Claire only. Yeah. Literally, like, Robin would be out there going, uh, I think you're a red shirt. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. That's okay. Oh, is that Steve out there? Ah, I'd let him go. <laughs> He's good. Yeah, who cares? He probably misses Scott so much that he just wants to who go. Who doesn't miss Scott? <laughs> yeah. He can't actually, so he swims and saves the baby, and then he gets back and he sees his mom and Claire as angels in the My baptism of Christ painting. angel. What? My mom is also an angel. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But, like, I assume this is happening to him in his dream because he spent his whole childhood staring at that painting. Yeah. Because it was in his actual living room. Yeah, that thing Um, is, like, burned into his brain. So I get it. And then we see the Nigerian plane. That's random. This was the the best part of that whole scene, was that plane coming in. Yep. So cool. Because you can't actually see it in widescreen. You have to see it in full screen or else you just like hear the plane sound and you're like, no, oh yeah, you a can't plane. see it in full screen. You can see it in widescreen. Oh, that's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah. You have to have like a specific type of TV to have seen it or else you just hear plane noises and you're like, yeah, a plane crash, lol. Yeah, that, that, that fits. So that's cool. Fun Easter egg. And then of course the dove comes in and that's just like part of the painting now, and such. And maybe you guys can clarify on me on this because it, it, it happens so fast. It almost seems like when the plane comes in and the plane crashes or explode, explodes, it then turns into that dove. <gasps> oh! Oh! Because when I watch it and I'm like, is that what happened? Because it happens so fast and it's so small. Does the plane then turn into that dove? That did not even occur to me. Because that what. Because when I watch it, that's what it hap- That's what happens to me, I, or that's what I I don't see. But it might just. I didn't notice that, but now that I'm thinking about it, like that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. That would totally make sense. Because that then that goes into a whole bunch of stuff, like the like the, the white dove of like I don't know, is bringing the heroin in, and that's supposed to be saving Charlie, but it's actually not, and stuff like that, and and all the things that like dove symbolize. I don't know, that's that to me is what I see when I when I look at it is that the, the Nigerian plane actually turns into that dove. 
basically they're saying, save the baby. The baby's in, jan- in danger. Save the baby. And he's like, yeah. oh, okay. I think I'm supposed to save the baby. That's fair. So Hurley shows up, garb that looks like John the Baptist, apparently. Okay. But on the anatomy of the episode, they were saying, I think on the whiteboard, that Charlie was meant to be John the Baptist and Aaron is supposed to be like Jesus. Oh, well then why is Hurley dressed like- I don't know. Or is that just sort of like, oh, okay, put Hurley in anything that looks vaguely- nativity Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So Charlie wakes up and he is actually like legit sleepwalking. So here's the thing. This one, this one was an accident. Yeah. The next one, that one was deliberate. Yeah. You yeah. made a mistake in that last one there. This one, this one was an oops. I genuinely think it was an oops because, like, he looks so shocked. Mm-hmm. Like, there was, there's no way. And no, there's no way he consciously knew that he was taking Aaron out of that exactly. crib in the middle of the night and walking into like knee deep water. Yeah, there's like there's some there's some hoot nanny going on there. So when Claire slaps him. You're like, oh, like, it wasn't Charlie's fault. Like, he's sorry. He didn't mean to. But also from Claire's perspective, that's her kid. That's her kid that you literally stole in the middle of the night. He's been stolen by Rousseau before. Yeah. Now he's been stolen by Charlie before. Like, I mean, not to mention she had to have him on an island Mm -hmm. in the first place. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, he got off luck. She's a new mom. And Ethan tried to steal her because of him, too. So, like... Exactly. She's worried about her freaking baby getting stolen. She's been through it with that baby. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Claire starts screaming because she's like, oh, oh my God, where's my baby? And Hurley is like, oh, hey, we're over here. And... I feel like Claire's only lines in this whole show are literally like, oh, my God, where's my baby? Someone took my baby. Mm. That's, like, so many of Claire's lines. And stay away from my baby, Um, Charlie. There you go. So later, Charlie is waiting outside the hatch for Locke because I guess he just can't go inside. I- yeah, it's like he's not allowed in the super secret club. I don't know. John, talk to you for a second. Yeah, what is it, Charlie? I take it you heard about what happened last night. If you mean you taking the baby out of Claire's tent in the middle of the night. Yeah, I heard. This whole thing was a big misunderstanding, John. I was sleepwalking. I don't know how or, or why. Something you want from me, Charlie? I was hoping you could speak to Claire for me. You know, put in a good word. Are you using? What? Heroin, are you using again? Kate sees a horse, nothing. Pretty much everybody's seen Walt wandering around the jungle, but when it's Charlie, it must be the bloody drugs, right? It's funny you didn't answer the question. You remember the plane, John? We burned it. Echo and me. We burned the whole thing, the heroin, the statues, it's all gone, destroyed. All of them? All of them. Here's the thing is he's trying to give her space. But I don't he, know what he's trying to, was. no, he's still trying to skirt the boundaries. Mm. She put up very clear boundaries and he's like, yeah, but how do I get around it? Right, right, right. Like without, without actually talking to her, cause she does want space. How do I invade her space? Exactly. Without physically being in the, her space. Exactly. Well, and I can see him, like, he just wants to try to clear this up. Like, I didn't mean to do this. Like, I didn't mean to do it. Like, like, you've got to forgive me. You've got to forgive me. So he's just trying to do anything that he can just to try to. Not, no, he, there's no way he's going to get into a good books, but just like, I'm not this psychotic mess that's going to steal and try to drown your child. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like, I feel so bad for him in this thing, like, where it's almost like awkward to watch where you're just like, oh, I feel like, like, 
the four guy, he didn't do any of this. He didn't act. It's not like he's back on drugs and he's going through some relapse or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. And he makes, like, a good point, like, when he's talking to Locke, is like, everyone else is allowed to have really weird moments, but he's the only one who's not. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, I think, is the most fair analysis. Yeah. yeah. Kate's allowed to see a damn horse. Yeah, that's totally fair. And Everybody then never bring it up again. Walt. What? Yeah. Kate's allowed to see a horse and then just be like, yeah, I saw a horse that one time. Yeah. What? Whatever. But he's like, yeah, so like, just so everyone knows, I'm totally not on drugs right now. Am I acting like I'm on drugs? Yeah, absolutely, but I'm not. And in the writer's room, they were saying that what their goal was here, like, ultimately, we know that he was not. Yeah. But half the audience is supposed to believe him and half the audience is supposed to not believe him. That's what they were hoping for. And I think that effectively worked. Yeah, I think so, too. When you guys watched it the first time, did you think that he was using or not? Don't remember. It's been a while. (laughs) I did. But when... But I know that Charlie was one of my favorite characters. So you wanted um, to believe in him? So I did want yeah. to believe in him. Yeah, mine too. So I would say that I probably did. Yeah, see, I... I, I kind of figured he was. See, I didn't think he was. Like, because I'm, I'm the same with you. Like, I, I, I love Charlie. And, like, I, this episode just absolutely kills him. But I, I never once thought that he was using it, using at all. Because they would have shown, I would have thought, some bit of, like, broken, like... Like, statue, when he goes back to that stash, and when you count, like, oh, no, all five, because I think it was five or something like that. They're all there. So, like, but, yeah, no, I never once thought, no, he's, he's back on it. Because he never... That's a good point. He never actually showed signs of, like, being twitchy or anything, like, weird. All of a sudden, he was just, like, wake up like this, not... Mm-hmm trying to pick at the bugs underneath his skin. Plus, arguably, it would be more out of character for him to relapse because of the amount of work that they've done with him, like, putting towards being sober. Mm-hmm. It would be it would be such a retcon for them to be like, he relapsed off screen. Mm. Like, I think people would really object to that. Yeah. Yeah, that's something that, like, you would want to see happen, so you would actually... Because that, that would actually... It would make you feel so disappointed in where it would take that character arc to people to not like him anymore instead of trying to do it like this like oh yeah charlie's going nuts and trying to drown the baby you know what i mean exactly like um no he's not really nuts but that actually makes me feel bad for him and not mad at him you know yep and charlie is going through a really hard time now like i know that he you know is doing some not great things but two of the only good things that he has on this island which is claire and aaron are being taken away from him and so you know he's sitting here being like "Ooh, ooh, can i put this ooh, can i connect this to addiction probably Addiction, like, the things that he's addicted to, uh, in your mind, like, even though you might not know that it's, like, the best thing for you, it's what makes you happy. It's what makes your life better. Yeah. And so, uh, even though he's not using the drugs, maybe his drug in this sense is kind of Claire and Aaron, and he's just trying to get another fix of it this whole time. I think, yes, to some extent, I think he uses Claire and Aaron as a distraction from his addiction Mm -hmm. to, like... You know, as sort of like um, a motivation to not relapse, but also because if he focuses on that, he's not focusing on the drugs that he still has stashed. So it's still just as important to him. Yeah. What it showed with Liam, how much of a, how much Charlie needed to actually kind of take care of someone. You know what I mean? So maybe like yeah. him and Claire and Aaron, that's that's his new Liam. You know. Mm. Ooh, yeah, that's a good point. He always needs to be fixing someone, but not in the Jack way. Not in the Jack way. Not even fixing, but just caregiving, yeah. you know? Caring for, yeah. Yeah, caring for. Mm-hmm. Which is actually cr- very rare in a lot of male characters, mm-hmm. is someone who is inherently a caregiver. Yeah. And yeah. especially for being the uh, little brother. 
too, because most of the time it's always the big brother looking out for someone. Yep, right. Exactly. Right. Um, so Charlie tells Locke that he and Echo burned all the statues and burned the plane. So, um, you know, it's all gone. And Locke, like, isn't totally sure that he believes him, but he's like, listen, like, all you can really do for Claire is, I don't know why, Claire told you what you can do for Claire. So I'm not sure why you're coming to me and asking me what you can do for her when she's already told you. Yeah. If you just listen to her, yeah. you probably wouldn't be in this situation. So I think what I'll do is I'll just tell you exactly what she told you. Which I really like. Yeah. It's just like restating, okay, here's the boundary that she set up. Adhere to it. If you work hard and you respect her wishes, you will be okay. Yeah. So Echo is marking some trees. And we know why. So we'll talk about that in the spoiler section. But Echo didn't tell Locke that he gave Charlie one of the Mary statues. But apparently Locke knows because... Because he's, like, just, like, all-knowing or whatever. Do you think Locke knew? No. No? Not until... I don't think Locke knows that Echo gave him one. I don't think Locke has any idea about Echo. But obviously, as soon as he finds them, he... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. That's my idea, though. Scott, what Uh, do you think? I don't know. You know? Like, I don't think he knows. Like... Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Like it's 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 hard to guess, especially with Locke because he's such a closed book. Well, and he has such a poker face. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because especially with with the statues, he does something later on that is so unexpected and and yeah, why, and why too? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something wrong, Charlie. Apart from me losing my mind, no, everything's just peachy. And why would you say you are losing your mind? How about the fact that I've been sleepwalking, stealing babies from their cribs? Oh, yeah, and then there's the vivid dreams that make me feel like I'm completely awake until, of course, I wake up. What are your dreams about? Variations of Aaron being in mortal peril. Trapped in a piano. Drifting out to sea. And there's the flying dove and Claire and my mom dressed as angels telling me I need to save the baby. Echo's like, well, maybe your dreams mean something. Maybe we do really have to sail- save the baby. Ooh, Echo. Why'd you put that in his yeah. name? <laughs> I love Echo in this episode. He's just like, oh, well, maybe I can offer you this solution. Charlie completely misconstrues what he says. And then later he's like, Echo, right? And Echo's like, um, no. No, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. <laughs> Echo's like, cool. Not sure why you're blaming me. Our Charlie's like, quick, I need a teammate. Um, 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 Echo, right? We decided to do this. And he's like, um... I gotta go. I can't. I. Who are you? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was waiting for him to start, like, kind of, like, looking up into the air and just, like, and just, like, take off. You're like, oh, someone's, uh, someone's saying stuff. I don't know. It just seems like such a stretch, like, okay, you gotta save him, you gotta save him. Like, oh, by saving him, is it getting him off the island? Is it doing this? Like, oh, I just gotta baptize the baby. Like, oh, okay. That's You're like, fairly... where did you get that from? Yeah, that's, that's a fairly easy process. So why don't you just, you know, it's, it almost like, oh, okay, well, it seems like we could have gone to that a lot easier, you know what I mean? Yep. If Charlie just would have walked into the like, so having these really weird dreams, like, they're really messed up, like, like, I know you're probably not into it, but, like, I, but let's just baptize him, he's a priest, let's just do it, I'll feel better, like, you cool with that, you cool with that? okay, cool. Although that would be a five-minute episode. So. I know. Yeah. I was just thinking that I'm like, oh, if only communication were that good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like we're saying, Charlie goes up to Claire and he's like, "Hi," and Kate's like, "Hey, maybe no, maybe no." I 
live for Kate protecting the hell out of Claire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she's like, how about you tell me and I'll tell Claire. I love her. Even though Claire's <laughs> sitting three inches behind her. Yeah. Uh, but he's like, oh, like Aaron's in danger. We have to baptize him. Echo can do it. Quick, please. And Kate's like, how about no? How about you walk away? This is not it. Yeah. No. No. And then we have this shot of Locke that echoes, echoes, <laughs> wink, um, the shot that happens at the very end of episode 103, where it's like the circular shot, mm-hmm. which last time, and I believe this time, was supposed to make Locke look a little more sinister. And it super does. Yeah. yeah. Especially with that eye scar. What are you guys thinking? It's- are you thinking, like, what do you guys think he's thinking? Do you think he's thinking, hmm, that guy needs a punching? No, I don't think that. Oh, okay. I almost think that he when he when he clocks Charlie, it's out of a like a def like a desperation, like just like yep. go away. Although I know he feels like he's Charlie's keeper when he tried when he got him off the drugs and stuff like that too, right? So there's got to be something of of just disappointment. But I I want to say that Locke knows that he's not using, mm. you know? Yeah, and he's kind of like watching him to be like, okay, what new behavior are you about to exhibit? Yeah. Well, That'll the help next me narrow thing that, down what's going on with the you. The next thing that Locke does is he, like, begins to follow Charlie in the woods and then finds, like, his stash, yeah. right? I think so, he thinks of Charlie as sort of an interesting aberration that he wants to, like, examine. My thought was that when he sees Charlie being so freaking crazy, he's probably just like, I don't know if I believe that he's not on drugs. And then he, like, decides to follow him and then, I don't know, that's just my thought. Or he's thinking, that guy needs a punching. <laughs> I don't think he's thinking that guy needs a punch in. Could be. Okay. Because he does. So the next thing we see is Charlie going back to his stash, um, which the whiteboard in the writer's room called a hidey hole. (laughs) So that's cute. Do you guys think that in this moment, Charlie is really considering going back on the drugs in this moment? I want to say no. You know? Tell me why. I just... I think that he knows that he's come so far that what, what would be the point in going back to them? And just resetting mm. himself because he knows he'll lose Claire and Aaron for sure. Then he knows the rest of the whole group will ostracize him and send him away if he does. Like I, I think at this point he knows that he's got way too much riding on on taking one little hit that he'll lose absolutely everything. So is this con- him considering destroying all of them? Then do you think? I want to hope so, and and yeah. I, and I like that. Like I wish that they would have shown him doing that initially. Like, is when at like the end of um, the previous episode when they show him like hiding them all. I'm like, why? Why? Like, I I, yeah. I knew deep down that he wouldn't actually use it, but it's like, why yeah. are you even putting that in people's head? You know, why? Why yeah. give us that option to even think that? Mm-hmm. Another like tidbit from the writers' room whiteboard is they call it a a baggy o heroin, <laughs> like baggy o apostrophe heroin. And oh I just yeah, know, baggy heroin. I just know that that was Damon's doing. Yeah. I just know it in my heart. Locke followed him, and so he decides he's going to confiscate all of them. But then Charlie's like, you know what? Hey, I'll just finish the job. Like, I can destroy him right now. I have no problem with that. Charlie says that he doesn't want Locke to get the wrong idea. And I've just noticed in the past, like, like three episodes, they've used the phrase, the wrong idea. Um, yeah. Hmm. Just saying. Then he's like, listen, in episode 107, I let you choose. But not, I'm not letting you choose anymore. It's not up to Locke. This up scene really upset me because it's not up to Locke. Yeah. No. Like, I know that he... I don't know who Locke is looking out for in this moment. Claire? No, because I think that it wounded Locke's pride that he didn't actually succeed in getting Charlie off 
mm. in his mind. Yeah. Wow, sentences out of context. I think that, like... <laughs> Ew! Uh. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I said that. I think that, like, it, it was as much, like, Locke liking power and control over people as it is a genuine concern for mm. Charlie as it is disappointment in Charlie and disappointment in himself because he thought that, like, Charlie could be trusted. But then, right. I think that's a good point. Yeah, but then why does he do what he does at the end of the episode? If it's... And, and that just goes to his control thing of when he's yeah. like, well, I'm going to take away the choice that you can't use. But then why, you know what I mean? Why keep them, you mean? Why keep the... Why Why keep them? Why Why keep them at all? Like, it's just one of those things to shake in front of his face every once in a while. Or if he... I mean, I we know, I mean, we know why he keeps them because of later episodes, but it is a question why in this moment. How is he to know that they will be using it for the reason that they end up using it mm-hmm. for? Exactly. And I think it's that Locke likes to know where everything is at all times. He likes to be the one in power. He likes to have all the information. He wants to know where all the pieces are on the board. And I agree with you that it is a huge pride thing that he can He doesn't want to have to admit to himself, or not even to himself, that that I, I got him off, but now he's relapsed. So I, I, I failed at something, exactly. you know? Exactly. Because he's already achieved so much on the island. That would be his, like... You know, one of his first failures, other than Boone dying, and I don't think he really takes responsibility for Boone dying. Mm. No, I don't think so at all. Do you want to hear an anecdote? Yeah. This isn't even an anecdote about my life. Okay. But, um, Brittany, you know who Shane Madey is? No, I don't. Uh, of of the BuzzFeed Unsolved? Yes, I do. Um, what up, demon? It's me, your boy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shane Madey has brought up that- so- so- for anybody who doesn't watch BuzzFeed Unsolved, watch BuzzFeed Unsolved because it is delightful and also kind of spooky. But Shane is the one, like basically there are two of them. Ryan is the scared one. Shane is the not scared one. Shane isn't scared of Or also anything. in the classic Mulder and Scully dynamic, one's the believer, one's the skeptic. Yeah. So Shane doesn't believe in anything. He's not really scared of literally anything. And so they're like, hey, someone has asked Shane, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of anything? Shane's biggest fear is having somebody accidentally or like um going a- a- around his back and shooting him up with heroin without him knowing. Jesus. What is that? That is such a weird fear. He specifically said that that's his biggest fear because he doesn't want to get addicted to heroin and he's scared that that he will get addicted to heroin against his will. But you know what? That kind of makes sense, especially like living where we do where drug problems are so rampant like mm. and ryan has said to him he's been like no one's wasting their heroin on you I was just about to say <laughs> but heroin's far too expensive for people to do that yeah with, so um so when you were mentioning that i can never imagine just walking down this but ow are you okay oh did he just drool all over you oh ew, my god Kobe. oh my god ew <laughs> i don't want to look at that sorry my cat is cuddling with me and when he's really happy he drools and, uh, I've never heard of a cat drooling. Yeah, he when time. he's very content and purring, he will drool. And he just drooled so badly that it dripped down my arm. So cool. But when you That's were awesome. mentioning about Locke needing to have power and then also heroin, I thought, Locke, <laughs> what if Locke, like, I'm just wondering if it's a form of torture to shoot somebody up with heroin a couple times and then just, like, be like, bye, detox for you. Oh, yeah, that's for sure a form of torture. I don't know. Has, has anyone ever actually done that? Like, never? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm just going like, to go ahead and say that at this point, I'm sure that mm. either the Russians or the United States government have done that. Mm. You know? Yeah, I've never thought ever walking down the streets of Vancouver, like, hell, I hope no one stabs you with a heroin needle today. <laughs> but don't you remember all those scares about payphones? 
where like you couldn't stick your finger in the payphone slot because what if there was a, um, a needle full of drugs in there? Yeah, or like or AIDS, I think. Yeah, yeah. That they were trying to get you with that. I know, um, kind of a sidebar to that, like, because um, like I work in the in the parks department in my town, and I know a bunch of the people that work in the outside. Like, we've had a our homeless problem in this town has actually gotten pretty bad. Um, and the places that they'll find used needles now that they're telling us is insane. Like, they're hiding them inside of, like, toilet paper rolls. So if you put your hand in there, Ooh. you're getting jabbed and stuff like Ooh. that. Yeah, Why? so I, I don't know. So the I whole, hate it. Ooh. So the whole payphone thing, that's not that far of a stretch. It doesn't even seem. Oh, my goodness. But no one's going to leave needles full of drugs. They're going to be empty. Yeah. <laughs> no, one's, no one's wasting that shit. Exactly. Yeah. So he's really pissed, and Charlie says something that kind of um, implies that he and Locke have talked about Locke. Because he says, like, Charlie says something like, Locke, like, remember when we talked about how, like, you have, like, tests from the island? Like, this is my test. I have to do it, right? So it's interesting to me. Like, I don't know. It just implies this conversa- these conversations that they've had about, about spiritual is among on the island. I think that's cool. I think Locke's been pretty open about that though. Yeah. Like that he has a purpose on that island. Right. So Locke talks about it to everybody and Charlie's just like, remember our talk, our special talk? And he's like, Oh yeah, probably I mean <laughs> I mean I said that to like six other people, but <laughs> Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. And and no one questioned the fact that Locke could all of a sudden walk now that he landed on an island or any of that stuff. It was just kinda like, Oh yeah, so this guy landed and on his back and hey, he he can walk now but he was paralyzed, but yeah, no biggie. Whatever. Whatever. Just another day. Remember all those talks we had? You and me. We said everything happens for a reason. This island tests us. That's what this is, John. A test. This is my test. That's why these are here. These are here because you put them here, Charlie. No, wait. John, wait. Please don't tell Claire. Like, it's... Like, why don't you believe me? And he says you've given up the right to be believed. I kind of get it. Mm. I get it, too. Yeah. Because at that point, yeah. like... You've lied so many times. And and what's the point of hiding all these things, all, all these statues, and saving them unless you're using them as a test to yourself that you're never going to use them or eventually to use them? And I, I this is the one time I agree with Locke in this episode where, like, you, you, you took that you took that away of us ever believing you when you've got mm-hmm. not just one, but you I think there's, like, five or six statues just sitting in there, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. like, my point when we were watching this episode, which I was, like, immediately, like, what a hypocrite, is, like, Locke lies all the time. All the time. Yeah. Like, Locke fully lied about how Boone died or fell off of, like, fell out of the tree. So it's, like, who is Locke to say that someone's lost the right to be believed when he's the one who lies, too? Yeah. Locke spread that shit on Boone's head to make him think that Shannon was getting eaten by bears, for God's sake. Exactly. Totally true. That shit was messed up so Locke doesn't really have the moral high ground here in my opinion yeah no um so the next scene we have is claire coming up to Locke, who's getting some water and he says how's our boy mm. which like if charlie was there he would have four aneurysms but i think he's just talking about like our boy in like the camp like all of us yeah. are, are all of our baby but you can you see know? where you're gonna read it the wrong way totally it, and that's why I was saying how Charlie, I think it's more, he's taking Aaron away from him. And if he would have heard that comment, he would have lost his shit. Yeah, yep. totally. Completely. And so Claire comes over and she's like, I'm just wondering if like, maybe we can sleep in the hatch now, right? She's like, I, she just feels really unsafe and she's just looking for 
any solutions. form of comfort. Yeah. So she's like, can we sleep in the hatch? And he's like, um, probably not though. Like, I feel like half of it is just like, no, that's my hatch. And then the other half is like, actually, there's an alarm. Like, that's going to be really bad for him. And she's like, yeah, oh, there's yeah. a number of good reasons why it's not the right fit. Yeah, exactly. Um, and she's like, oh, okay. And so Locke says that he'll like move closer to them for a little while and sleep closer to them and everything. And of course, Charlie's like, what? <laughs> but, but he's just being a good friend. Charlie's jealousy is exhausting. Yeah. And I, I get it, but at the same time, like, back off. It's not, there's no legitimate relationship there, you know? Yeah. Yep. And so she's like, do you know anything about baptism? And Locke says, no, not really. So this is another, like, I'm going to keep bringing it up because they keep giving us more evidence. Mm-hmm. But um, Locke and Echo are both big men of faith. Very, It's very clear that Locke and, and Echo are meant to be two sides of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Echo being the spirit or the religious side and Locke being the spiritual side yeah. because they keep asking Locke questions about religion and he doesn't know. Like baptism a few episodes ago when he said when Locke or Echo was telling the story of the book of law and he said, do you know this story? And Locke says, no. Like, so it's I wonder very how much it pains that. Locke to not be able to answer a question like that. Yeah. Like what does it do to his pride? Mm-hmm. Locke chooses to keep Charlie's secret and basically all he knows about baptism is that it's supposed to make sure that you get into heaven it's like insurance yeah and the reason why charlie feels like he needs to save the baby is because he can't save himself i don't know if he's right there Mm. i mean i think there might be an element of it but i think it's just that charlie is like a caretaker you know yeah i don't know well is he is he trying to what is he trying to save himself from exactly from his current state or actually ever like in 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 the what's the the past life? You know what I mean. Like if he were yeah. to die again, the heaven and stuff like that. Because most religions, especially Christianity, is if you ask for God's forgiveness and it's forgiven. You know what I mean? Where yeah. So like, yeah. what is he trying to save himself from? Like what like what state is he is he going there? Because like if he's a religious person, like he he says he is, he should just know it. You know. Yeah. So Charlie started the fire. Oh, awesome. Boy. Starts the fire. What a bad decision. How do you, where do you get this idea from? Walt. (laughs) That is a damn good point. (laughs) Arson, woo. So uh, listen, one of my least favorite, like Charlie is very annoying in this entire episode. But one of the moments that is the most annoying, in my opinion, is this moment where Charlie starts the fire and starts walking. And Saeed says, hey, Charlie, can you help us with something real quick? And Charlie goes, um, yeah, no, I'm not now. Not a great time. Yeah. And just like, walks away. I'm like, excuse me. I was like, I waited like two episodes for Saeed to come back. And this is what you do? You deny me, Saeed? It's so rude Ugh. for someone well, to he- ask your help. And everyone's going to know now that you did it if you're not going to help try to put it out. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Like, that's just the clear sign of like, oh, hey, yeah, I lit the fire, so I'm not going to help put it out. And so, obviously, Saeed sees the fire and everyone starts working together. It's like, it's some of my favorite moments on this show when, even though they're in bad circumstances, everybody's working together towards uh, the same goal. Teamwork makes the dream work. I love teamwork. It makes me happy. Charlie is going to steal Aaron. Sure. Um, because, which, and like I said before, this is very deliberate, unlike last time. But he hated Rousseau for this exact thing in the season one finale. How do you guys think that this parallels, like, Rousseau, the whole thing with Rousseau? Oh, boy. I've never thought about it paralleling with Rousseau before, other than, like, I feel like Charlie would try to justify himself the same way Rousseau did. 
which is, I had to do this. They're both doing it very selfishly. Yeah. Because Charlie's doing it because he, I mean, maybe half, maybe a lot of it's because um, he does he just doesn't want to have these dreams anymore that are giving him so much anxiety. And he feels like, you know, he has to save Aaron. Danielle was doing it just to get Alex back. But they both think that it's okay. Yeah. Because, like, they have a good reason, you know? Yeah. There's never a good reason to steal a baby. Just There's thought never I'd... a good reason to steal a baby. Brittany Ray, 2018. Yeah. <laughs> See, I like that. Yeah. I Yeah. Because, you know what? Once you have them... <laughs> yeah. Not great. Not great, Bob. Okay. So what if I changed it? How do, how do you guys think this parallels Walt being taken? And, or, or, or how does this parallel Walt starting a fire? Well... Walt was also being selfish. Well, and Walt did it, yeah, Walt did it for a distraction as well, but yeah, he did it. Well, at least he didn't do it where it was going to light the whole camp on fire, I'll say that. Yeah, he had That's the decency true. to look out. He, he did it away from the camp. Uh, yeah, if anything, good guy Walt here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, Charlie should have taken some tips from Walt. He'd be like, hey, yeah. if everyone's seeing Walt, do you think Walt would show up to give me some tips on burning stuff down? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little power reason. I'm not definitely not gonna try and do that tomorrow. But I do think that unlike Charlie and Rousseau's reasoning kind of matching up, Walt and Charlie's kind of doesn't this much because Charlie's being very selfish for and, and using it as a distraction, and Walt is doing it for destruction. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't trying to Yeah, Charlie wasn't trying to burn down anything so much as he needed a really big distraction that would like yeah. get the attention of a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Walt just didn't want to leave. Yeah. yeah. He just but it really is sort of the out. same, like, childlike logic, wow. which is, I need things, so I will do bad thing. Yeah. So, uh, Charlie's going freaking nuts. Claire finally realizes, because Aaron makes some sound, that he's taken him and he's running off with him. Please, please stop him. Locke stops helping with the fire and runs to help Claire. Charlie is like, Echo, tell them! And Echo, you know, looks into the camera like he's on the Wait. office. Echo's like, like, I can't like, read them. Like, no. I don't know. Yeah. Mm, I don't, I don't who is so. this? I've never met a guy named Charlie in my entire life. My name's not Echo. <laughs> Echo's like, I'm not a part of this. What? Um, and he's like, oh, we have to baptize him. Baptize <laughs> him. Echo's like, I just got here. <laughs> I don't know the dynamics of your crew yet. Like, I don't know half your names. I don't even know who Charlie is. <laughs> and so he's like, um, this is not the way you're doing this wrong, right? And so Charlie's like, Locke, where were you when he was born? And Locke is like, where were you when you needed a freaking cradle? But go off, I guess. Yeah. Locke isn't his father. Locke isn't his family. And Locke is like, neither are you, you crazy person. Echo, tell him. Tell him, Echo. Tell him what you told me, that the baby has to be baptized. This is not the way. Charlie. Come on, give him to me. Who the hell are you, John? Aaron's not your responsibility. Where were you when he was born? Where were you when he was taken? You're not his father. You're not his family. Neither are you, Charlie. I have to do this. I, I need to. I'm not going to hurt him. You're hurting me, Charlie. And also, someone who is a member of his family probably wouldn't bring heroin around him. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I, I know that's it's in the parenting books not to do that. They do highly yeah. recommend, recommend not bringing heroin in. Just Yeah. Just like, in like, is it like a whole chapter devoted or just like a little annotation, do you think? Yeah, it's like one sentence I remember yeah. it being. Yeah. It's, you know. I think definitely. In the drugs and babies section. Yeah. It just says, don't do it. <laughs> Don't. Yeah. Drugs and babies, don't mix the two. Okay, write this down, highlight it. Circle. Yeah, that's the whole chapter is just don't. Just don't um, do it. 
Wife may be pissed. (laughs) I think once we get to the flashbacks, we should definitely talk about some parallels between Claire and Karen. But before then... He's saying, oh, well, like, I'm not going to hurt him. I'm just going to baptize him, right? I'm not going to hurt him. And Claire's like, you're hurting me. And also, you can't baptize a baby in the middle of the night in the cold ocean. Yeah. You're not even, you're not even qualified for I'm that. All you doing him. is dunking him. He's like, I'm going to baptize him. Yeet. And he just, <laughs> just throws the baby into the ocean. Don't throw babies into oceans. Uh, we do not condone this behavior. Robin no. Jeffrey, 2018. Yeah. <laughs> do not throw babies into oceans. <laughs> God, this podcast is just full of good advice. Hey. Don't give babies drugs. Uh-huh. Don't steal them. Don't, don't throw, throw them in the ocean. <laughs> Just don't. Okay. I think we're. Re- I'm ready to be a parent now. Yeah. So here's the thing: is when he's saying things like "You're not his father. You're not his family." There's this shot on Claire, and you can just see in her face. She's like, "Dude." When the heck did I say you were those things? Yup. She literally just said to Locke, I think last episode, where she was just like, "We're basically strangers." I literally just met him. He's acting like he's on some pedestal. Yep. That yeah. I put him on some pedestal, and I haven't. He brought me invisible peanut butter once, but that's it. Yeah. Well, and what and what parenting does Charlie have? Because like he didn't have any younger siblings. Uh, like mm-hmm. you know what I mean. So what what kids has he ever looked after? You know what I mean to actually exactly start thinking that and start critiquing Claire for what the hell she's doing. It's, Other than yeah, Liam, he tells her how to parent a lot. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, and. And it's it's a trial by error thing. Every day that they're still alive, you're winning. So yeah. And so he's like, "Oh, Claire, like I'm so sorry." But they get the baby back, and Locke gives Charlie a couple of punches. Do you think he's trying to like not like? My first thought was that he was like trying to knock some sense into him, but like you know, you know, violence isn't the answer. But without some punches, this show isn't interesting. I guess I don't know what he was doing here. I think maybe selfishly it was like he he punched him for claire as much as he punched him for himself see that's actually interesting because in the anatomy of the episode there was an interview with terry Mm -hmm. and terry said that Locke was it made Locke very angry and it probably wasn't even about charlie oh it was more about Locke. it was more about Locke. that's what terry said and you know what i take terry's word as gospel yeah if that's how he was playing it that's the truth that's what it was i truly think like after a while actors know their characters the best out of anyone yeah like, you disappointed me, so I'm going to do this to you now? Is that what Yeah. What he was kind of thinking? Yeah, I think so. Either that or it was kind of like Charlie... Or I feel Charlie like, didn't listen. Charlie disappointed didn't, him. But it's like, not, he said it's not about Charlie. So my thought is that maybe, like, Claire has come to Locke multiple times and said, please help protect me. Yeah. I'm not necessarily please help protect me because Claire can really take care of herself quite a lot. But she said, like, I feel unsafe. It would make me feel Mm -hmm. better if you were around me. And Locke says, yes, the solution that we have come through is that I will sleep next to you guys. She's like, thank you so much. Locke slept next to them and still Charlie was able to take the baby. So Locke feels like his, that he has failed. My role. And so I think that's why Locke is mad. Not even necessarily at Charlie, probably at himself. And that's why he's so mad. And Charlie is a little bit of a threat to Locke now. Yeah. Because Locke's like now carved his little existence in Claire and Aaron's life. Mm -hmm. And Charlie is now trying to encroach on that too. Yeah. All you have to do to get around me is to set a big fire. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But another thing that that I think, I can't remember exactly who it was. It might have been Damon or Carlton or somebody had said that um, for Locke to raise his hand against another like uh, main cast member, 
uh, was like huge. Uh, they said that because Locke is not a violent person. No, he's not. Um, I don't think he. If, if in my memory, I don't think he's done that before. So would you then possibly argue that this episode actually does more for Locke than it does for Charlie? Wow. Yeah. But for yeah. the good, I don't think so. Honestly, not for the good. No, maybe no, not, not for, for the good. not for the good, but. In terms of development, I think it pushes Locke into a more interesting place than it pushes Charlie into a more interesting place. Yeah. yeah. See, it, like at the end of this episode, it never made me like hate Charlie or be mad. I just felt bad for him. It was kind of more like, why would they do this to him? Like, and I'm and not like like the characters, but the writers. Like, that's the first right. thing I thought of was like off topic of the or is like out of the show like theory. Like, why the hell would they do this? Yeah. Well, that was my thing with, like, Michael, right? Is like, why do they do to Michael what they do later in the season? Like, as writers, mm-hmm. why do they make the decisions that they make? Yeah. I, yeah, and I'm not saying that any of the decisions that they made were wrong. I'm just interested in why they chose to do that. Yeah. So next scene, we have Charlie and Jack. And Jack comes over and says that he is going to need some stitches. So fun fact, that was a prosthetic. Obviously. Yeah. They made a prosthetic of Charlie's face. Jack knows that he started the fire. And my first thought was like, oh, like, how does he know that? It, you know, it's very clear. Yeah, yeah, it feels like it's pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah it's pretty obvious. And so he's like, okay, well, you're never going to do it again, right? And Charlie's like, oh, I think I'm going to answer a completely different question than what you asked. <laughs> what? Yeah, everyone thinks I was doing drugs, but I wasn't, okay? And Jack is like, cool. Can we answer the question I asked, though? No more fires. <laughs> no more fires, though, right? What if Charlie said, no, I think I'm going to start a fire tomorrow? Like, what would have happened? Would they have to, like, banish Charlie or something? Or would they, like, maybe they would, like, lock him in the armory? Ooh, possibly. That's what they do to people. But also, like, what else was Charlie going to say other than, yeah, no, I won't do that? Yeah, he could be lying. Like, even I mean, if, even if not, you were going to start a fire, you'd be like, no, I'm no, not going to start a fire. <laughs> But at this point, you would gotta think, like, well, if I do it again, they're just gonna know, like, oh, that's bullshit. Why would I go run towards that? Yeah. Uh, but he says, yeah, no, I'm not gonna set any more fires. So, great, thanks, bye. Going back to, now, Echo and Claire. So, Echo is walking around the ashes and stuff, and, you know, I don't know, Phoenix imagery. Yeah, from the ashes we will rise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It never occurred to me, like, I never realized until this last rewatch that Echo... That Charlie set on fire the trees that Echo was marking earlier. I don't know how you didn't notice that. I'm an idiot and I well, noticed that. I thought he was just like walking around. And he's like, oh, that's too bad. I didn't realize that like Echo's actual plans for, spoiler, were being thwarted by Charlie in this moment even after he told Charlie about it. Yeah, I only knew after because like when they show him walking around, I'm like, hey, that's where the ch- is. Like... But it, exactly. but at, mm. in the scene where it's actually on fire, it doesn't look like that because it looks like it's more just grass right. that's where there's no actual trees. Which mm-hmm. I kind of want to go back and look now. Like, is that a little continuity error or or what? But yeah. But Claire comes up and she's like, "Hi, like Charlie told me that you told him that we need to baptize Aaron," and he's like. Listen, I maybe did tell Charlie that, but he completely misunderstood me. What he actually did, like I did not tell him how to, like I did not tell him to do what he did. And Claire's like, "It's okay, I fully understand." <laughs> After the last couple of days, I know exactly why Charlie did what he did. Yeah, I never in my mind did I ever think, "Oh, Echo told Charlie to steal my baby and throw him in the ocean." <laughs> like, <laughs> Echo, you suck. Like, <laughs> you're like Echo. That's some really messed up advice, man. Especially because Echo's the one who like uncovered that Charlie had the drugs around Aaron. 
So oh yeah, she probably like appreciates him. Shout um, out Echo. Yeah. Charlie told me you were a priest. Yes. He said that you told him that I had to have. I did not I tell Charlie to do what he did. I'm sorry if he misunderstood. But do you think the baby has to be baptized? Do you know what baptism is? It's what gets you into heaven. It is said that when John the Baptist baptized Jesus, the skies opened up and a dove flew down from the sky. This told John something, that he had cleansed this man of all his sins, that he had freed him. Heaven came much later. I haven't been baptized. And does that mean that if you do it to Aaron and something happened to us, that we wouldn't be together? Not if I baptize you both. Not if I baptize you both. Freaking problem solved, man. Have you been baptized? Me? No. Did anyone ever question what, how, how Echo knew that there was heroin in those statues? Like, we know why, that, why he knows it. Right. But Yeah, for a second I was going to be like, Scott. <laughs> I was be like, Scott, even I know this. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. We, we know, but Claire was just kind of like, oh, you're just magical and you knew that there was heroin inside these Virgin Mary statues, but did anyone ever question this? Ooh. That's a damn good point. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. No, Not I don't think anyone ever was like, hey, there's a heroin in yeah. here. Why do you know that? Mm -hmm. Other than he told Saeed, right? Did he tell Saeed? Uh, Who'd he tell? Or was it just Charlie? Charlie? It was just Charlie. That he told, yeah. Maybe Charlie's a gossip. I mean, Maybe. he's friends with Hurley. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But Claire immediately believes it. Not necessarily believes, but she's just like, yep, let's do it. Wait. Didn't they see a broken Virgin Mary statue with heroin in it? Yeah, but we don't know how Echo knew that there that it was in there. Oh, I okay, okay, okay. I'm like just, I'm Saeed, just trying to make sense of it. Yeah, like I, Saeed yeah. knows that there was heroin inside. A lot of people know why there, like that, there was heroin inside, but only Charlie knows how Echo knew that there was. Okay, because he's from the Tailies. How would he know, okay. right? But like Claire has been to like a psychic. And stuff you know like we know that she's pretty spiritual like that and so and also I feel like at this point since she's been through so much with her baby she's probably just like if someone tells me to baptize my baby just to keep him safe Screw it, just point, do it yeah why not? exactly let's just do it yep yeah exactly then okay there was actually a thing on lastpedia about this and then we'll throw it to Claire um cool so oh professor Claire oh sorry reverend Claire yeah. Claire, I do not believe you. the clergy has approved you to be a reverend. You are a false prophet, quite literally. But is Echo not a false prophet? Because that baptism, does it really not count? <gasps> oh, oh my god, you're right. Yeah, here we go. Okay, so, in a Catholic baptism, a Catholic godparent is required during the ceremony. Yep. Only under extreme circumstances, such as imminent death, would the requirement be waived. Claire and Aaron are baptized with no godparents. Moreover, Catholic... Catholic doctrine forbids the baptism of an adult such as Claire unless they have professed faith in the basic truths of Christianity. But Mr. Echo did not ask Claire anything about her beliefs. 
Echo's description of the baptism of Jesus is slightly incorrect. The Catholic Church, along with most other Christian denominations, teaches that Jesus was born without sin and remained sinless through his entire life. And I think Claire's going to mention that. But uh, although Echo is telling the story from John the Baptist's perspective, it still goes against the views of Catholicism and general Christianity. It is possible that the two above errors were added to the script deliberately since Echo had, to the knowledge of the audience, no formal religious training and was therefore not fully versed in the traditions of the church or the scripture of the Bible. Um, Yeah, because I don't know how you would get that so massively wrong unless you were trying to get it wrong. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, So I think now we're going to throw it to Claire, uh, which is what, what, sorry, uh, what Reverend, Reverend Claire's mm-hmm. theology for beginners. Yeah, she's going to talk to us a little bit about John the Baptist and baptism in general. Hi, uh, this is Claire. I'm back for some more lost Bible explaining. So, John the Baptist. Okay, so I'm. I tried so hard to make this shorter than the last one, so I don't get roasted again. I don't actually know if it is, but I really tried. But I just I had lots of thoughts. So, um. Just a really, like, brief rundown. Uh, well, Claire, brief. So, like, I don't even know how long that is. But, but as brief as I could make it. Um, rundown on who John the Baptist was and why he was important before we get to the baptism stuff specifically. So, John the Baptist was a preacher whose ministry predated Jesus's by several years. Um, and he was basically believed by the Jews to be the guy that was foretold by the prophet Isaiah, who was going to come one day and basically, like, get everybody ready for the coming of the Messiah. So, like, not the Messiah, but the, like, opening act, essentially. Um, and John also believed that John was that person, so he kind of, like, took that in and ran with it. And he amassed this huge cult following through all of Jerusalem and Judea, like, long before anyone knew who Jesus was. A couple of the Gospels claim that he was Jesus's cousin, but they're inconsistent on that. So, like, that's not for sure. So, first century Palestine, obviously, was um, an occupied state. It was occupied by the Romans. And the Romans knew all the Jews' prophecies and stories about the Messiah, who was going to, like, show up one day and unite them and set them free. So, they were kind of perpetually on, like, high alert for anyone that was doing too much, like, religious rabble-rousing, essentially. So, they clocked John as trouble, like, right away. But then also, you know, you have to kind of, like, play your cards right, because if you murder somebody and make them a martyr, then sometimes it makes crowd control even harder. So they kind of let him, like, do his thing for a while, even though they probably thought that he was very definitely crazy. Uh, He was this, like, wild-haired wilderness hippie who is described as, like, wearing clothing made from camel's hair and eating nothing but locusts and honey, which is probably not literal, but it's more, like, code for the fact that he did a lot of, like physical penitence things like you fast and wear uncomfortable clothing and don't own property and live in the desert which was like things people would do to like show um what they were sacrificing in their devotion to god and he also and then like jesus he's also you know saying very revolutionary countercultural things that the elites didn't really want to hear like you should share all your things with the poor and like hey tax collectors you are screwing the people over and things like that um and kind of like nibbling away at the foundation of the power structure um so he starts he builds this like huge fandom and he earns the name the baptist because people would come to him to be cleansed of their sins and he would baptize them all in the jordan river so for him like for for what it meant to john it's very much how echo describes it to claire which is like this is a rite of purification um but he also tells these people 
Like, I'm just preparing the way by baptizing you with water so that you're ready when the Messiah comes because he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So then we fast forward to when Jesus turns 30, which is when his public ministry starts. And so this is something that I think is kind of interesting. So of all the stories about Jesus in, like, the whole Bible, there are basically two moments in his life that are backed up by enough historical evidence, like not from like religious scholars, but from like history scholars, um, that they're widely considered to be pretty much proven as historical fact. And that is one, the being baptized in the Jordan River by John, and then being crucified by Rome three years later. Um, and that's true kind of like regardless of religious belief or faith tradition, like whatever you think that it meant or however you do or don't believe that like miracles or God or, or whatever played into it, like historians are fairly certain that like there were in fact two desert preachers named Jesus and John who lived in first century Palestine who were Jewish and that John did amass a cult following and then baptized Jesus in the river and like that that actually like concretely happened um, and what it meant is obviously dependent on your personal faith beliefs but it is one of the things that they're like yeah this is this is probably pretty definitely true um, and one kind of hilarious thing um, that I, I learned when I was when I was researching this that is part of how historians make that kind of assessment um, and when they're trying to sort of when you're trying to figure out what of the things from the life of a religious leader like Jesus are actually sort of like historically verifiable is they use this thing called the criterion of embarrassment which basically means you give extra weight to any story that seems unlikely to be the kind of thing that the early Christians would have invented because it doesn't really make Jesus look very good. So like stories where he's hanging out with women or foreigners or sick people fit into those categories because those violated really big cultural taboos. Crucifixion in the same category because that was a method of execution that was saved only for like the most trash criminals, like people who were like traitors and like really like bad people there's no like sort of glory or honor in it it was for like extreme slime balls but then the baptism of jesus they also apply in that category because john baptized people to free them from their sins but jesus was believed to be born without sin so like what <laughs> what is john erasing um and also like why would you invent why would you invent a story to kick off jesus's public ministry life by putting like a lesser B-tier prophet in a power position over him doing the baptizing. Like if you were inventing, if Jesus was fake, you were like inventing a fake Jesus, you would give him, like this is the theory, you would give him like a better, more glorious, like launch day public relations campaign, essentially. So that's sort of the factor that they use in assessing this stuff. And it also gets some extra points in the like, this probably happened in some form um, department because it's one of the things that all four gospels describe in pretty much the same terms. The Gospel of John, which is the one of the four of them that was written later in a different time period than the other three, which kind of glump together. So John's is the most noticeably different. Um, Gospel John, by the way, being a separate and different person from John the Baptist, two different Johns, just millions of Johns, just too many Johns in this book. But so that one doesn't really give you like the scene, like set the scene of like what happened, like the river and the dove and all that stuff. But it also kind of interestingly is the only one that gives us a really different sort of thematic interpretation of what like the point of the baptism was. And this might be one area 
where there's some interesting stuff to parse in terms of like, how is it relevant to Claire and Aaron? So Matthew, Mark and Luke frame it essentially as like what, what echo says it is, which is baptism is like how you are cleansed of your sins to get a fresh start. Like the purification ritual. Um, and John describes it more as like, uh, this is how, like this moment of John baptizing Jesus is, is important mostly because this is how all of Israel realizes like, oh, this is the guy, like you're the Messiah. This is the guy that we've been waiting for. Um, so it's more about kind of shining a light on like, this person is going to become important later. So I'll read you just so you can kind of get a little bit of context for the, what Echo is telling Claire. Um, I'll read you a little bit of it, um, how Matthew describes it, because he gives us the best actual kind of like description of the scene. So this is from uh, Matthew 3. In those days, John the Baptist appeared, preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At that time, Jerusalem, all Judea, and the whole region around the Jordan were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they acknowledged their sins. When he saw many of the high priests coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance. Even now the axe lies at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I am baptizing you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is mightier than I. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire." Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you are coming to me. Jesus said to him in reply, Allow it now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. After Jesus was baptized, he came up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming upon him. And a voice came from the heavens saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So a few minor discrepancies between versions of the story. There's some ambiguity about whether (laughs) did the Holy Spirit descend like a dove or as a dove? Like, was it like the actual form of a dove or was it just sort of a descriptive, like in the manner of, so that's, there's, there's some contention on that part. And then also, I, I think, potentially interestingly, so Mark and Luke have the voice from heaven addressing Jesus, saying, like, you are my beloved son, and Matthew ha- is the only version where God is essentially speaking to the people. Um, but overall, they're, like, it, they're pretty consistent. They use a lot of the same words. Um, so John got executed very shortly after this, um, kind of like just as Jesus is becoming famous. Um, and there are two versions of the story of the death of John the Baptist, uh, one which is probably true and one which is almost definitely not true, but way more sexy. So version A is that King Herod had him executed essentially because he was turning into 
an enormous political problem by drawing thousands of Jews to his cause, and it was starting to look like a revolution was brewing, so Herod shut it down. Version B involves Herod's hot stepdaughter, Salome, performing the Dance of the Seven Veils for him and enchanting him so much that he tells her, like, she can have anything she wants in the whole world, and then she demands the head of John the Baptist on a silver platter, uh, which almost definitely did not happen, but you can kind of see why it's been, like, way more popular in art and literature than the more boring way that's backed up by historical sources. There's not a lot of sexy times in the Bible, so we all kind of like take what we can get. Uh, so, so when Echo essentially breaks down for Claire that baptism has these sort of two separate meanings, there's the purification rite, and then there's the heaven part of it. I think what he what he means there has a lot to do with the difference between Jewish baptism and Christian baptism. So John is performing a very traditional Jewish purification rite that involves full immersion into the water. But in Christianity, baptism is both it's a rite of purification, um, but it's also an initiation into the church, which is where Claire, I think, where she gets the idea of, like, this is the thing that you do to get into heaven. Um, that would not have been Jesus's or John's understanding of it during their lives as, like, Jewish men immersed in Jewish culture. Uh, but it's what it came to mean later as the early Christians sort of codified their own set of beliefs and practices that, like, established them really as a different religion instead of how it used to be perceived in the first early days where they were all still like very much Jewish. They were just like, they were a group of Jews. And so, so the evolution of like what baptism meant, like how its meaning transformed is one of the things that I think is really the heart of like that separation of how it broke off and became like its own separate church. So in terms of plot, things to think about in terms of like how it connects to the story. Um, there's a few things here that I want to kind of toss out in as non-spoilery a way as possible that are worth considering um, that like feel free to think about more in the spoiler section later. Um, but there's, so there's the idea of water as purification, um, the idea that immersion in water changes you or cleanses you or transforms you in some way. Um, there's the whole kind of Gospel of John interpretation where the baptism of Jesus is like a point at which a story begins or a point at which a particular character is marked as being someone who's about to become really important later, potentially ultimately even more important to the broader arc of the story, even than the person who is doing the baptizing. Uh, there's this idea of baptism as like your past and your sins and your regrets and your bad choices are like wiped clean, like completely gone, and you get to start over. And does the baptism in some way like mark a point at which your life pivots in a different direction? So I think there's a lot of things to think about thematically, some of which I think you could even kind of expand past those three characters given like how much of this show revolves around like the relationship between people and water so those are just some kind of some some things to consider um and one last little thing that was maybe maybe only interesting to me but there there seemed to be fairly definitely i think kind of a subtle little pro-catholic bent in how the story sort of contrasts the two baptisms. Um, if you take, you know, Charlie's sort of deranged attempt to like plunge right into the ocean with Aaron in his arms versus at the end, Echo pouring the water 
over Aaron's head. Catholics do not practice immersion baptism for the most part, um, even with adults. It's almost always done the way Echo does it. But a lot of Protestants, especially American Protestants, do the whole full immersion thing. Like sometimes it's outside in a river or, the, or an ocean, um, or sometimes you have like a baptismal font in your church that's like the size of a swimming pool that you like walk into. My old church when I grew up, we did have one. Most of my childhood, we never used it. We had like a little mini font inside the giant font. But then they started like 10 or 15 years ago doing immersion baptism because I thought it was cool. Um, but it's just like, it's a whole operation. It's And you do them at the Easter Vigil. So you always have like, you know, 12 to 20 people getting baptized and like the whole like full immersion thing. It's just like, it is such an ordeal. The choir's got to sing for like 40 minutes to give everyone time to get all dried off. It's a whole huge thing. Um, So for the most part, they don't do it. But I did, so I felt like the kind of the detail of like the ocean baptism, the immersion baptism being like the wrong one (laughs) versus then like the quote unquote right one that happens at the end being like being the, the, the way that Catholics do it with an anointing instead of an immersion felt like a very deliberate way of reminding us like echo is Catholic. Like this isn't just a Christian, right? This is a very Catholic, right? Okay, that's all. That's 16 minutes on John the Baptist. Thank you for putting up with me. Um, Call me next time you need more Bible things. Uh, Okay, that's it. Love you. Bye. So yeah, thank you to Claire for coming in for Reverend Claire's Theology for Beginners. Uh, We appreciate her and you'll see her or hear her again next time. There are Bible things we don't know about. (laughs) Yeah. So and shout don't out. trust her with any fish, because that's the latest thing that she's gone viral for. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So last scene in this storyline, um, we have Locke changing the combo uh, on the armory. Um, he leaves the statues in there, and he chooses not to destroy them. Why? I, I boy. Like, what a why? dick move. Why? Why keep them? Why hold them over his head? Why not just destroy them, get rid of them? Right. You know? It's, it's almost seems like yeah. one of those things like he'll just, he's just going to start randomly leaving one here or there to tempt Charlie. Like, what, what's the point of that? Like, just to have a kid. It would make sense to me. It would make sense to me if he had, like, gone to Jack and been like, Jack, is there any medicinal way that we could use this? Like, is there anything that we could do? Or or is this just like, let's just get rid of it and, and put it somewhere else? And if Jack said, uh, you know what? Actually, we probably could use that for something. Then I understand. Yeah. yeah. But him just keeping it and not knowing if they would ever use it again is kind of garbagey. Didn't heroin used to have, like, a medicinal purpose? I believe so. And they use it for a medicinal purpose later this, this season. Okay. Yeah. To be like, hey, guys, guys, it's an emergency. Does anyone have any heroin? And yeah. Locke's like, oh, my God. Perfect. Guys. You'll never <laughs> guess. I got, like, 20 bags. <laughs> what if someone, someone's like, someone's like, oh my god, does anyone have any heroin? And Locke goes, Charlie doesn't. <laughs> I do though. <laughs> sucks to suck. <laughs> um, do you guys have any last thoughts on this storyline? Uh, Good thing that's over with. Yes. <laughs> Scott's last thought was, ugh. <laughs> It, 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 you know, like, I love season two, and I, like, the more I watch it back now, the more it's just, like, I, I always said that season two is my favorite, but it, they, they really stretched out storylines, or did storylines in season two that just didn't need to happen, and this is totally one of them, you know, yeah. like, like, I feel like we could see more hatch stuff or whatever, but, like, like, I would love to know, like, how many people at the end of it, when they watch it the first time through, 
either A, hated Charlie, B, felt bad for him, or C, was just more pissed off with the show for doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can tell you that I remember, like, because I was around the internet at that time, I do remember a lot of people being really mad yeah. at Charlie. Yeah. And that's fair. And I, but like, again, that's also like something I remember where like people really hated Claire for hitting Charlie. See, in that instance, I don't at all. Like if I, if I went and stole someone's kid and was going to throw him in like the lake, I would expect for them to hit me. (laughs) I'm sorry. You know, like. Would you hit someone for trying to throw your child into the ocean? (laughs) There you go. It's very fair. (laughs) Yes. I would hit someone for trying to take my child and throw him in the ocean. So you're saying don't do that. Don't steal people's kids. <laughs> if you want to baptize them, just go do it. You don't need to make a big fuss over it. Don't or steal go people's your own, kids. Baptize your own damn don't. kids. Don't steal, steal people's kids. Scott Taylor, 2018. <laughs> yeah, baptize your own kids. Don't steal anybody else's. Like, that's a weirdly specific hobby. But like I said to you guys... And I felt like I, I, I couldn't tell in that moment if I was a good parent or a not a good parent because we actually got my son um, baptized a little over, I, I don't know, like a year and a half ago. Year and, a year. and the whole time we were there, this all I could picture in the back of my head was, you got to baptize the baby, Charlie. And I'm... I'm <laughs> Charlie, you got to baptize the baby. And I'm up front, and I'm almost starting to laugh as we're oh, doing no. this. And I'm just like, oh, I'm a terrible person. No! got to save the baby, Charlie. And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I feel like I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I feel it. like you're a good person because sometimes that's just the only way to get through church. <laughs> just, yeah. yep. It's an hour. Before. It's an hour, but it's an excruciating hour. Yeah. In in my well, opinion. Well, hey, we had to do an hour of church and then the baptismal was after, so that was an extra like thirty minutes. And then you have to have like a cocktail reception and stuff. And it's just this whole thing. Mm. Yeah. Oh, but we had class before. We had to do school. So. See? Hi. That's a good excuse to think about lost. Mm-hmm. It was. You're stuck in like the equivalent of Bible study. Flashbacks. The one part of this episode you actually want to talk about. Get to skip over like that first one because it kind of technically happened on because it was a dream. Yeah. Haha. Ha. Okay, perfect. So, baby. 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 The baby's name is Megan, which is named after their mom. Karen is here. Karen, you deserve better. Karen does deserve better. Karen, you should not be walking. Yeah, Karen, sit down. <laughs> yeah, Karen, sit. Someone should have wheeled you there at the very least. Yeah. Yeah, Karen looks way too good. Like, they clearly tried to, like, rough her up a little bit, but she still looks too yeah, good. Yeah, they picked far too beautiful an actress. It's not, like, she, I just feel bad for her that she had to, like, do that by herself. And not even for, like, a good legitimate reason. It was yeah. just because she has a crappy husband. Or a crappy boyfriend. At this oh, point, yes, probably. good point. And just the look of disappointment in her face when she's like, oh, where's Liam? Oh. And she knows it's bullshit that he didn't miss his flight or anything like that. Yeah. Do you think he, she knows? Oh, 100% she knows. That was... That was one of my questions later, is if she doesn't know at this point, does Liam ever tell her? The Liam, like, I'm ha- She doesn't deserve this Liam, but, like, the Liam that she ends up getting, like, in Australia, I'm happy for them. Yeah. Yeah. That they were able to figure it out. Yeah, he's definitely a better person later, but the amount of people that, like, he destroyed to get to that place. Yeah. So, yeah, Liam is absent because he he to- he missed his flight. What can you do? Oh, my goodness. That Here sounds he- real. But, you know, he'll be there soon. And she's like, okay, so, but he's okay. And he's like, yeah, yeah, he's okay. Oh, yeah, you wouldn't ask that. It's funny, all the years I've been flying, I've never missed a flight. Oh, that's right, because I'm not on heroin. (laughs) (laughs) 
drag him. <laughs> Here's the thing. I this this moment um where he like comes home, there's actually a lot of like drive shaft posters on the wall, which I think is really cool for like the set deck department. They had a tour thing called the Drive Across America tour, I yeah. think is what it was called. Um so that's really cool. They've got like uh platinum records on the wall, so like yay them, happy for them. But this moment I find is really understated when it could actually be like really, really terrifying. Why? Well, he comes home and he there's a cigarette on his piano, right? Which is still lit, so you know that like Liam like just recently put it down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But he turns around and Liam is fully like unconscious, just had a needle in his arm. Oh yeah, that's a good point. And Charlie goes over there and shakes him and he doesn't like wake up the at the exact moment that he's supposed to. You yeah, know? he's kind of like in a stupor. Like, we know that he lives, obviously, because we see him in the moth. We see him, like, in Australia and everything. Yeah. But, like, if that was my... I mean, obviously, my sister doesn't do heroin. But if that was one of my family members, I would be so terrified that they had fully just overdosed in my apartment. Yeah. That's a good point. But he's probably so used to seeing that. Yeah. Still, I feel like it's scary every time. Yeah. Or at least you would hope that he'd be scared every time and it wouldn't just such be old hat that it would just be like, oh, well, there's Liam. Strung out again. Exactly. But yeah, he's totally high. And he's like, I lied to Karen for you. And he's like, oh, it's okay, Charlie. Like, I left you some. And he's like, like that's not that's, right. This is, that's that not wasn't the about. issue. It's just, it's interesting to me that, like, it's very clear through a lot of the spoken things in this episode that that Charlie is currently, like, on heroin. But he's, he's, it's weird. He's, like, a more functioning addict. Yeah. Than his brother is, I guess. Um, I, I mean, I can't say I'm like an expert on the different types of addicts, so I don't really know how to speak to this, but, but yeah, that's interesting that they're so different. I mean, there's definitely the idea of a functioning addict, whether or not like that's like a reality. Yeah. I don't know if I can speak on either, but it, it, they make it appear as though Charlie is a more high functioning addict than Liam is. Yeah. And he's like, you have a daughter now. You're a dad. Like, congrats. You kind of suck. I'd be a better dad than you. And maybe yeah. I will be on the island with my random, I don't know. With the baby that I stole. Yeah. <laughs> what I love that he, he takes it away from him of knowing that he had a daughter or like what they had and the name that he just blurts it out like, hey, you didn't really care. So I'm just going to tell you and I'm just going to ruin that for you because it's not like really, a, you know what I mean? Right. That's that. Yeah. It's such a power move. That's how pissed off he is. And I, yeah, I just, I love that. Yep. Yeah. So now it's time for their commercials for Bubby's diapers. Oh boy. That's why I, I call my cat. Bubby. Bubby. That was my, that was my nickname as a kid. Bubby. My aunt still calls me that. That's cute. But this is probably one of my favorite Charlie flashbacks. <laughs> I love it. Charlie so in a diaper much. is one of your favorite Charlie flashbacks. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Scott, were we, were we recording when you were talking about that yes. other member of the uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. We were. Okay, good. Because, like, that guy super happy. is the best. Both of them were so happy. Well, it was just super, I think you might have also just been happy um, to be making some, some money at that point. But, oh, yeah. yeah you can tell he's sure. just in the front row just loving it. Mm-hmm. They knew their choreography. Like, I'm impressed. Yeah, like, they those, put work in. Yeah, they really did know their... It's very simple choreography, but they knew it. Step, step, turn, step, step, turn. Yeah. <laughs> and Liam's like, I cannot master this basic thing. He's like, I can't do it. Hold up. Hold up the product. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, oh, there's actually a fun fact about this is that originally this was supposed to be like them walking across Abbey Road in diapers. Oh! But Abbey no. Road was like, um, no. <laughs> They're like, yeah, you're not going to ruin that image yeah. like that. Sorry. Yeah. No. So so it ended up just being in a giant crib instead. <laughs> That's better. 
That's better. That's even sadder. That's even sadder. Liam is gross and sick and bad. Um, <laughs> and there's like this symbolism with the baby. Like, first of all, like there's a whole thing. I I don't even know how many times the word baby is said in the script, uh, but it's, I bet it's nuts. But like the baby symbolism with like Liam being like kind of like a baby because he can't take care of himself. Mm-hmm. And you know he can't take care of his own baby. No. Yep, that's true. There's just a lot of things about babies. Hasn't even so. met his own baby yet. Right, exactly. They say that this is going to be take fifty three. Oof. Honestly, you should have fired them at twenty. Yeah. Um. There's only twenty minutes left, though. Ooh, there's a polar bear stuffy in the in the corner. Oh, so that's fun and cute. Yeah. And it's like, yes, yeah, this this fits in the sec deck. Mm-hmm. He tells the camera to rotate on the eight. Oh, oh, that's a number. That's yep. a number. That's one of the numbers. Thank you. Do, 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 do. And they're all. <laughs> thank you. Um, and they're all. Sing- you don't need the sound effects for this episode because yeah. we've done them all. Yeah, we could just do them for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, they sing "You All Everybody," but they're "You All Everybody" because but for your butt because but yeah. Oh, there was a fun fact in the anatomy of the episode that um, it wasn't in the script for Liam to like fall down. That was Neil's idea. That's a great addition. Yeah, he was just like, I'm just gonna fall through. And they're like, okay. And then they used the take that he fell on. That's fantastic. And so the guy's like, oh, by the way, you fired. What are you doing? Let's not waste any more time, shall we? You're only hired as a favor to your lawyer. I want a dirt spigot. Come on, mate. Give us another chance. You want another chance? Take my advice. Ditch that one. It's a bloody disaster. I'm not ditching anyone. He's my brother. Right. Well then, I guess you're fired. He wanted Dirt Spigot instead. So Dirt Spigot is a thing. Hell of a name. Yeah. So in universe, there are only three made-up bands. Driveshaft, Geronimo Jackson, and Dirt Spigot. Oh. Why would they make up a band for it? I don't know. Maybe they're just like, these are two gross words. (laughs) But for Dirt Spigot, Dirt Spigot is a fictional band briefly referenced in two episodes. In Fire and Water, the director of the D- Buddy's Diapers commercial says that he wanted to hire Dirt Spigot instead of Drive Shaft. And then in uh, Confirmed Dead, which is in season four, a poster for the band can be seen in uh, someone's room. That's the only time that you see anything about Dirt Spigot. Geronimo Jackson and Drive Shaft are obviously way more prevalent, but... God, they put work into this. So that's Dirt Spigot. All right. Um. See, and that's why I like this show, and I always tell everyone, like, like you had to watch out for why is there four rolls of paper towel on that counter instead of two? You know what I mean? Like, yes. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it all means something. None of it is no. accidental. Yeah. Unless it's the washing machines, and then you know what? Maybe it was an accident. But then they'll bring it up very briefly. Yeah, and then, but we'll bring it up later. <laughs> yes. And then tell you to shut um, up. So he's like... <laughs> Listen, I love when writers do that. They're like, you know what? We saw we made a mistake and you should shut up about it. It's like that's like in like the moth or whatever when Saeed's like, Whoa, can you believe that like no one was even hurt hardly? Like half the people died, but half of us were like totally fine. And Kate's like, Yeah, weird. <laughs> and and Damon's like, like, now you can't bring it up anymore. Hey, hey Saeed said it. We're like, but that's not how that should work. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, listen, if you want to be like a good band again, you should probably lose that one because he freaking sucks and he can't even get his hand into his sleeve because it's inside out. So that's a rough time for that. You, okay, we were watching the episode and Robin was like watching the entire time for him not being able to get his hand in his sleeve. Like, I think just it's laughing funny. to herself. It's relatable. He just can't get his hand in. 
to the sleeve. And he's like, no, I won't lose him. He's my literal brother. And he's like, hey, well, you're fired then. And we're like, oh, that was that was fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also a sign for Widmore Construction. Oh. Oh! And this is the very first reference to Widmore in the entire series. How did they think of doing these things this early? Yeah. How the hell Widmore is going to be one of the driving forces in the whole show. Of the whole damn show. Yeah. yeah. This is the thing that amazes, it always amazes me. Like, I've watched that episode probably six times and I have not seen that or picked up on that. It's very small. It's very small in the background. I only know because I read the last Pedia article before ah. I watch the episode. Um... So in the next scene, Liam is really mad because Karen kicked him out. That's I mean, fair. She's because valid. Because he dropped Megan. She thinks I'm dangerous. Why would she think that? Because I dropped her. I dropped Megan. Oh. Liam. Sorry. I've got no money. I got nothing. What are we gonna do? We'll get through this. Yeah. How's that? I'm writing again. I got a new song. It's about two brothers. Two brothers who should have been butchers. Don't say that. It's a good one. I feel like this might be the one. Listen, like, if it was an accident. dropped my baby. If it was an accident, okay, that was a mistake. Sorry. But you were literally high. On heroin during it. Hmm. Here's the thing. This is the difference. Okay, so here's where we can talk about the parallels between Karen and Claire. Claire is like, Charlie, you can't be around my baby anymore because you brought kind of, you almost brought like drugs into his life. And Karen's like, listen, Liam, I know this is your baby. Like, it's not Charlie's baby. Yeah. But I know this one is actually your baby. You can't be around her anymore because you were, you literally like are on drugs while holding her. Don't drop your kids, people. <sighs> and don't, don't do kids. drugs and then pick them up. Yeah. No, it just doesn't look good. No. Great advice we're given today. God, we are so yeah. good. We should, this should be a parenting podcast. Yeah, exactly. Only one of us is a parent. Yeah. After after we do the Disneyland podcast, we'll right. do a parenting one. Yeah. I would die to do a Disneyland podcast. Ho, 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 ho. Yes, my friends. <laughs> um, and so Liam's talking about how he doesn't have anything left at all. And Charlie's like, listen, okay, well, we do have something because I wrote this song. It's a really nice song. It's a beautiful song. I don't. It is actually very nice. I don't know if that would be the one that would give them like the big comeback, but it's yeah. a beautiful song. They're really only a one hit wonder. And I think they know that. But like, you know, they have some like hardcore fans, like literally Locke. Yeah. Like, I love how Locke is like, no, Charlie, I hate you and you're bad. But also I'm a big fan. Can you sign my CD? Okay, literally, though. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, he's like, oh, I wrote a song, like, Liam, like, let's go. And he's like, oh, oh, it's about two brothers. It's about two brothers. Yeah. It's about them, right? And Liam goes, two brothers who should have been butchers. What is that? Oh, right. Butchers. Yeah. Like, like now Liam is feeling remorse about do following his dreams. Which, like, that's why I think their dad messed them up. Yeah. But also probably... They should have gone into a trade, Charlie boy. Yeah, Charlie I mean, boy. I mean, looking back, they probably wouldn't be addicted to drugs if yeah. they'd done that so. but some of the lyrics in the follow song, your dreams responsibly kids yes some of the lyrics in the song include talking about the rain and the rain is a really big theme in this show mm -hmm. the rain mm -hmm. and being saved um Ooh. a cleansing rain yes a like, baptism a if you will yeah <laughs> And so basically what he's doing is he's being like, here's the hope, you know? And they're like, oh yeah, like we've got it. We could do it. We could do it. We're yeah. happy. And then Liam has to be like, so do you like have any 
drugs. Yeah. Do you and like- Charlie's like... Completely ruins the moment for him. On the island, well, I did. He's like really quickly like, do you do you have anything? No, Locke took them. <laughs> He's got them hidden away in his safe. Yeah. So in the last scene that we have here, Charlie gets back to his apartment and Liam has sold his piano. Liam! Where's my piano? I sold it. You what? Hey, wait. I don't have to get up to me. Where's the money? Is that what you're sodding up? I'm clean. I haven't used it in two days. Two days? Well, happy anniversary! Well, how long have you been clean? Where's the money? She was gonna leave me, Charlie. She was gonna take Megan. What did you do, Liam? Karen's got an uncle in Australia. He's gonna get me a job. There's a rehab clinic in Sydney. I, I just needed the money to get us there. I have to do this. I have to take care of myself. For them. For my family. I'm your family? Oh, this is like unexcusable. Inexcusable. Mm. I don't know how to say words. That's fine. But like the foundation of their very family, like their relationship, everything that they have, the memory of their mom, he just sells. Their band started because Charlie had a piano. Yep. I'm gonna guess. <laughs> but still. Um, it's just, it's heartbreaking because it's like, you know what? Like, that's what happens when you have an addiction, you know? Liam is using the money that he bought with the piano responsibly. He's using it to, to take himself out of the gutter, fix his family, and go to rehab, yep. and go to Australia. But that wasn't even your belonging. He could have done it in a better way, you know? Yep. Literally pick something that belongs to you, Liam. Exactly. Like, I don't well, understand. But at that point... He probably didn't have anything left. He's like, whatever. Like, like, do you think he was like, I'm leaving Charlie now. I'm going to Australia. So I don't care about my relationship with him. No, I think it was that. Actually, you know what? Maybe. It was just like, or it, it was something that it was, was worth sacrificing because his fam- his family meant more. Right. And it, yeah, it was whatever he could get the most money for. And he was just so damn desperate at that point. Yep. Oh my gosh. You know, it just occurred to me. What? I thought... I was like, I wonder how selling one piano could get you all the way to Australia. But you know what I realized? Charlie wrote all of Driveshaft's songs on those pianos. Yeah. In that on that piano. They're fa- they're in a famous band. Like I didn't even it didn't even occur to me that he probably sold that piano to like Driveshaft's biggest fan for like a lot of money. Yep. And Charlie isn't seeing any of that. Like seeing any of the money, I mean. Mm-mm. And it's like a vintage piano too. So yeah. it's like there's that nostalgia factor. There's also, like, to me, it looked like he sold some furniture, too. But yeah. maybe that was just, like... And he just put the lamp on the ground. Like, the lamp is still on, and he just put the lamp on the ground. Yeah, he was like, oh, I'm gonna plug it back in, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely gonna plug it back He's in. like, I did sell the light bulb. Well, and did anyone question who the hell helped him move a piano out all by himself? Okay, that's what I was also thinking about. Because there's no way you're doing that. Like, if you're a, have movers come? If you're a big fan of Driveshaft, are you like, hey, this is Charlie's piano, like, is he okay with you selling it? Is he gonna like come and say goodbye to it or something? And Liam's like, oh yeah, <laughs> what? Tweets him. He's like, did you know your brother's doing this? Yeah, <laughs> tweets him. Um, but like he got him as a child. He was like five, maybe five or six. Yeah, maybe, he was a he little guy, little little um, guy. But he's like, oh, like where did you put the money? Did you put it like? Did you just get drugs with it? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, I haven't even used in two days. You know what? I I don't like Charlie's comment here. I think it's invalidating. Mm. Every day is a victory. Yeah, you know. I think it's I think it's funny. I think it's a funny joke. It is. Happy it's a anniversary, joke. yay you. But I totally agree with you as yeah, well. Yeah. It's a good joke. And it's like, you know, he did something horrible to Charlie. So like Charlie's not out of line here, but yeah. I'm like, don't invalidate his addiction recovery. He's doing his best. Yeah. 
kind of, I guess. Kind of, not really. But Charlie deserves all of this money. Yeah. He deserved all of the money. But he's like, Karen was going to yeah. leave me. Like, we're going to go live in Australia. Like, I have to take care of my family. Go to rehab, you know? Like, I'm going to be a better person using the money that I stole from you. He's like, that's not how that works. Karma will come for you. I. Well, and is Karen going to ever question where he got the money yeah. from? Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I sold my brother's piano. Oh, oh. And you're like, hey, you know? I actually like your brother. Why did you do that to him? I wonder if... Because then you're just restarting your life on a lie, right? So... Exactly. Once they finally, like, get good again, like, they, they're, um, you know what I mean? Like, they have... The like, they're m- on the right track? They're on the right yes. track. They have money. Like, I wonder if at any point Liam was, like, remembering what he did and was like, I feel bad about this. Can I give this money back to Charlie. But I feel like at that point, Charlie was also so deep into his addiction that it would have been dangerous to give him that money. Right. So I wonder if like once Liam, once they completely switch places, which they totally do. And I think the trigger for that is literally Liam leaving. And, and Liam taking Charlie's only outlet with him. It's like Liam is literally taking like the bad stuff in him and just like handing it off to Charlie. Yeah, he and left Charlie like, with all his baggage. He's like, "Sorry, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna do good now." And he walks away, and he's like, "Here you go. It's, it's yours now." Yep. Well, he's the one that turned him into that. Yeah, too, exactly. So. And the real slap in the face, I think, is when he says, "I have to do this for my family." Liam's a bad brother. He is. Yeah, he's and not Charlie a good family says, member. He's a bad brother. Yeah. He's not a great person. And Charlie says, "I'm your family." Yep. I'm literally your brother. I'm. I was your family before they were your family. Like you. Doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Who cares? And of course, this is like after Charlie has said, "Liam, we're gonna do this again. We're gonna keep going with the band. We're gonna have another song. It's gonna be great." This is Liam literally being like, "The band is over. I'm leaving now." Yep. It's like, hey, uh, that wasn't a mutual decision. So Charlie's like, "What about me? What about my family?" And the thing is that, like, we're not sure what happened to his parents, but, um... I think we're supposed to assume that their mom died. That they... That potentially both of them died. Yeah. And so, without Liam, Charlie's not married. Charlie doesn't have any kids. Charlie's saying, what about my family? Your family just walked out the door. Yep. That's all you've got. Yep. Well, yeah, we know for sure that his mom's gone, especially when they say, oh, oh, they named her after yeah. mom. Right? So, so we know something happened there. So, is Charlie talking about like his future family or like like his future family like what is he what do you guys think he's talking about when he says like what about my family i think he meant like my family is an our family right yeah which is just him him yeah and Liam. At, at this point it's just yeah him. do you think yeah. he was because we never see anything else do you think he was talking about drive shaft as a family no no i don't think we see the other member of of drive shaft enough to assume that yeah we see them like now on stage and then once in greatest hits i think exactly um which is a really popular episode in season three yeah i think those are the only times that we see them as well so now it's time for segments we're gonna do favorite line award my favorite line goes to charlie and echo for what you doing i'm marking trees why Because these are the ones I like. <laughs> I also like trees. Oh, yeah, you do? Yeah, I love that for him. Um, and I also have an honorable mention for um, Liam and Charlie for... I haven't used in two days. Two days? Well, happy anniversary! Aww. Happy anniversary. That's so rough. And then mine goes to Anna Lucia for... You hitting that? You hitting that? It just takes me right back to being a teenager. You hitting that? And then Scott, what's yours? Um, the horrible inappropriate line because I am just that kind of person that 
sure you've got a load you need to drop in, don't you, Jethro? From <laughs> Sawyer to Hurley. We are we are children. Oh, I am I am still a child. Yeah. Now we're going to talk about light and dark. Um, I think the main light and dark that we can even think of is the name of the episode, which is Fire and Water. Ooh. Mm. Um, the ocean is very black and scary, mm-hmm. especially at night, which is when uh, Charlie wants to yeet Aaron into the ocean. <laughs> um, and fire is, of course, very light. That's the one that I picked up. Yeah, the only yeah. one I could think of was the contrast of the beach scenes between yeah. night and day. Yeah. Um, now we're going to do Man of Science, Man of Faith. Uh, mm-hmm. So instead of going character by character, we are now going and just talking about the main character of the episode. Ooh. What do you think? Man of Science, Man of Science, Man of Faith, Charlie Pace. Charlie Hieronymus Pace. I gotta say Faith on this one. Completely. Tell me why. Well, because he's 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 going on what he's seeing in the painting, right? The the baptismal painting, and what he's and what he's seeing, which is not actually there, right? So he's completely going on on blind faith of of just seeing that and what Echo's telling him to do, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not. Yeah, it's like sheer raw belief. Yeah. Like I've got to save him. How do I save him? How do I save him? Well, baptize, right? Like that's the like from just from the. Oh, sorry. The uh, the glimpse that he got in his in his head of of, the, of that painting that's that's where he's getting it from. Sorry, my mouth is not working properly tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it got past eleven and it was like, okay, brain shut off now. Goodbye. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, like, my brain's just turning on. Like this is old man. Old man sleep time. <laughs> old man no have adjectives, conjunctions. I did not have my oval team. <laughs> Help, I'm falling and I can't get back up. Yeah, I know. Do you want to argue science? Because I'm down for faith. No, I'm down for faith as well. I believe that. Okay, sounds good. Um, So for Hurley's Walkman, we have a couple things here that are interesting on the Waspedia page here. Big Star is a band. A poster of the acclaimed 70s indie, indie rock band's name and logo can be seen in Charlie's apartment. Okay cool classic um pink floyd the famous battersea power station featured on the album cover from pink floyd's animals can be seen in the background of one of charlie's flashbacks Mm -hmm. okay if charlie didn't have a pink floyd poster i'd be like are you kidding it's not a pink floyd poster it's um the battersea power station which is on one of the album covers is oh so it's not even just like the poster it's just like the picture of what's on the poster no it's the actual yeah the, no, the that's actual a, power station. No, I know. Like, that's oh. like a deep dive. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, totally. Yesterday and today, the scene where Charlie's father chops off the doll's head as a butcher in his flashback was an homage to uh, this Beatles album, Yesterday and Today, where band members were featured among slabs of meat and decapitated dolls. Ew. Yeah, so that's cute and fun yeah. and good and fresh. Now for songs that are actually uh, featured in the show... Papa Loves Mambo by Perry Como is heard on the record player when Hurley and Libby do their laundry. Yeah, it's stuck in my head right now. And He's Evil is heard in Charlie's apartment when he comes home. And what's interesting about He's Evil uh, by the Kinks is this is the song that Charlie was singing to Jin in 23rd Psalm. Oh. Yeah, so clearly it's one of his favorite songs because it's always playing. Also, uh, good messaging. Yeah. He's hey, evil. your brother. He might, evil. He might be evil. <laughs> yeah okay so did they do the thing as some of you may know doing the thing is when um is when they say the name of the episode in the episode um they didn't technically do it this episode um they said fire a couple times and water like separately but never together yeah they don't say like fire plus water fire and water fire plus water yeah fire and water equals out fire equals yeah equals (laughs) 
smoke. I don't know. How many episodes since the last knockout? Oh boy. Charlie was pushed uh, and punched into the water, but he did was not knocked yeah. out. So that is one episode since the last knockout. No concussions today. Yay. Congrats. Yay. Does this episode pass the Bechtel test? Don't. No. Don't be ridiculous. There's like an implied conversation between Kate and Claire, but it's probably about Charlie. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah. So, yeah. Not not great. Not great. Not great, Bob. Yeah. Stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Please, if you are so inclined, write us a review on iTunes. We like those. And we also have a survey that will be in the description. It's just perpetually open. And it's just about some things that you like about the podcast and some things that you think that we could work on. And yeah, we would appreciate your feedback. Yeah, and I can't work on being less annoying. So you're going to have to work with that. Yeah, so don't don't write that in because we know. <laughs> like if I- and it takes five minutes. Do the survey, people. <laughs> If you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show too. We covered seasons four and five. We're going to be covering season six and we're going to be doing press at Unity Days, which is a 100 convention in January. That is coming up. If, that is by the time, uncomfortably close. By the time that this comes up, dude, that's less than a month. Oh, That's like oh less boy. than three weeks. Yeah. That's less than a month to prepare to meet Paige Turco and Henry and Cusick possibly. I don't know what you're Oh doing. no, he's not even going. No, he's not going. No. Has he ever been to it or no? Not to Not Unity, to Unity days, days. He's done other No. Clothes. If you're a fan of Riverdale, which we really are, I don't know how this happened, but like, it's like one of the it's best It's so bad, ever. it's good. We like to talk about that show too. We talked about season one and season two. We're in the middle of season three right now and it is freaking nuts. It is crazy. It is like, probably, one, probably, my mom says it's her favorite of our podcasts. Oh, I love your mom. Or what, or did she say it was this one? I can't remember, but either way- <laughs> She said that was one of our best she ones. She immediately undid it. Or was know. it this one? Anyway, we. she said that what she really likes about our Riverdale podcast is that we are so freaking into it. She's like, we're so serious about what we need to talk about. Anyway. While also making brutal fun of it. Yeah. Yeah. We are also covering the chilling adventures of Sabrina on that feed. It's out. Um, and by the time that this goes up, potentially we will have an episode out. We're just kind of, um, it'll be We're spoilers. watching it right now. Yeah, yeah. We'll be, it'll be spoilers for the whole first season. Yeah. So, yeah. And if you're into Stranger Things, we might be doing something related to that in 2019. So, yeah. I don't know. Keep an eye out. Whatever. Or an ear out. Oh, good job. Oh, good. Thanks. You can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, but mostly Twitter. I do put out uh, very regular GIFs on our Tumblr, and I'm putting things out on uh our instagram sometimes as well if you're so inclined our patreon is patreon.com slash the aficionados it's basically a service where you can support your favorite creators if we are one of those even a spare dollar uh goes a really long way for us to be honest scott i always love the way you put it just don't buy a coffee <laughs> just don't simple. buy a coffee once just, just don't buy a coffee once yeah <laughs> once a month don't buy a coffee thank you give them money we thank appreciate you. it it really helps us a lot <laughs> don't be a don't be a bunch of freeloaders if you're listening to their podcast give them a dollar <laughs> throw us a dollar there words from scott 2018 don't be a freeloader it was endearing yet vaguely threatening yeah. that's yeah. my favorite thing ever um, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. Scott, thank you so much for coming on the pod! Well, thank you for having me, guys. And, um, 
our next episode will be a mid-season roundtable. We're we're taking a little break. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This is Take the midway point of season two, so it'll be our mid-season roundtable. We're actually not sure who we're going to be having on for our mid-season roundtable yet, um, but there will be a bit of a break in between episodes now um, because we are pretty... Uh, our schedule is full. <laughs> our schedule is very full. There is a lot going on, um, so it'll be a bit... And we're getting closer to Christmas. Yes. We By are. the time that this comes out, um, it'll actually be three days from Christmas. Christmas. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So cool. Oh boy. Um, love that about us. And yeah. So it'll be a bit, and then we'll put out a mid-season roundtable, and then we will continue with season two. And actually, Scott, we will have you back in like literally two episodes. <laughs> oh. Poor Scott. <laughs> and I. This is the one I called like two years ago. So yeah. Yeah. Just to roast it? No, no. The next episode. Oh, I thought you meant this one. I was like, why would you call this one? Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. Very excited. Not to roast it at all. Okay. Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye! I appreciate you both. <laughs> oh, oh, it's to us now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoilers, spoilers, gonna talk spoilers. Spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers, gonna talk spoilers. Welcome to spoilers. Wow. Okay, so Finally. starting with Hurley and Libby storyline here. Hurley's saying, do I know you? How does that end? Does it end well? I can't remember. Does what end well? Hurley and Libby. Oh, yikes. Hurley, Hurley and Libby. Does it end well? Oh, awkward. Oh, wait. No, it doesn't. Ooh. But him saying, like, oh, do I know you from somewhere? Yeah, you yes, sure do, you bud. Dave. <laughs> oh, yes. boy. She was in the same mental institution as he was. Oh, man. Yikes. And he was best friends with her ex-husband, his imaginary friend. Or that was never really good. Yeah, if you, if you subscribe to that theory, which you can. I don't, but you can. I, I like that theory. Yeah. This adds more fun to the whole damn sure. thing. I have no knowledge of that theory, but uh, it sounds intriguing. You've heard it. Yeah, but the theory where Dave that is Libby's husband? Were, yeah, but the, like, the stuff that I've heard, I forget. Oh, the yeah. theory where Dave is Libby's husband. Yeah, but I don't know who Dave is. Yeah, see? I forget things. Oh, is that Hurley's garbage friend? His imaginary friend. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I told you I forget things. The sandal guy. Also, yeah, the relationship between Hurley and Libby, like, they get together a little bit. But when they were like, oh, it's their, like, their, it leads to their first date. I'm like, is she, did she forget the blankets that time too? Oh, yes, Hurley forgot the blankets. Oh. Ouch, ouch, ouch. ouch. Hurtful. Anna Lucia asks Jack if he's hitting Kate. And he's not yet because they're totally going to like kind of almost get married. Like, oh yeah, he like proposes to her and she says yes, but then they don't actually get married, I don't think. Why don't they actually get married? Something garbagey happens. Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, it's that Kate realized that she was going to marry Jack and she was like, oh no. <laughs> she was like, oh crap, I've made a terrible mistake. Yeah. Um, I can't actually remember exactly what happens to make them not. But I mean, they end up Oh, I remember. Anyway. I remember why they don't get married. It's because she's like, um going to talk to Cassidy and giving Clementine money for for Sawyer and Jack freaks out about it. Oh, okay. I think that I am pretty sure that's why. Classic Jack. Yeah. Going into the other one. Actually, let's do flashbacks first because Charlie and everything is too long. Flashback spoilers, flashback spoilers. Just kidding. It doesn't look like I have any flashback spoilers. Oh my God. Liam sucks. Is there anything that like ever like justifies or like brings Liam any sort of like... Yeah, in The Moth... Uh, in 107, um, we see Liam, like, kind of putting Charlie towards the heroine, being not a great brother, and then Charlie goes right before, like, he's leaving Liam's house when he come when he's yeah. going to LA, and Liam has, you know, like, Megan is, like, now he's wearing sweater vests, and he has glasses, so, you know, time has passed. But, 
<laughs> but like no one ever He's in like full dad mode. Yeah. He like never is like punished for the crappy things he did. Mm, no, actually I think that he's like rewarded if anything is that you know he, he, now he has a good life neat and charlie comes back and he's like hey we just started the band again and liam's like no but then like, but the band disbanded because of your crappy behaviors so. but then when naomi shows up she like says to charlie oh my god they did like a reunion tour like a greatest hits album or whatever i guess they did it without him i guess well i mean if i'm thinking from liam's perspective he's thinking like oh my brother wanted me to come back into the band and if my brother is dead then i'll do it and there's less money to be spread around at this point, then, too. Oh! Snap! Oh, true and hurtful. Wow. Yeah. All right, going into the main storyline here. Uh, the same location uh, in his dream back is the psychic's house in 110. And I believe they go back to the psychic's house uh, later this season in question mark. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Ooh, this one hurts when his mom says, someday you'll all get us out of here. And then the, like, season three finale, he does. Oh, why would you? I don't want to. He's talk like, to you I'm gonna get them all out of here, and he does. Oh, he does. Oh. Also, he keeps talking about like saving people, saving people, right? And his favorite song to sing is what is maybe. Oh, you're gonna be the one that saves me. Okay, that's so enough that out of you. Also hurts my feelings. His dad talks about how he doesn't believe in his music, but we know that he does care about him because in greatest hits, he's the one to teach him how to swim. Oh, okay. So we know he does love his son. Claire's relationship with Locke. I was thinking about Claire's relationship to quotation marks Locke in <sighs> season six. How they have like another like But that's Claire, not Locke, that's the man in black. Right? And Claire knows that it's not Locke. Yeah. Because Jin, I can't was it Jin? Might have been like Sawyer or something, was just like, Claire, like that's not Locke. And she's like, I know, it's my friend. I know that it's is not Locke. so creepy. It's so creepy. It's like that's an imaginary friend. Yeah. But um, yeah. Anyway, Claire goes nuts. So. Oh boy, yeah, uh, they do Claire so dirty in this show. They do a lot of people dirty, actually. Really, yeah. Rousseau took Aaron. Charlie took Aaron, and guess who else will take Aaron? Who? Kate. Oh, oh. I thought I thought it was like something. I was like, it's Kate. Kate. No, it's <laughs> yeah. Kate. Yeah, so that's another thing for Claire to be pissed about. Poor Claire. Uh, Echo is marking trees to make his church. Yes, that is what he's going Whatever to Whatever happens to that church? Whatever happens to it, I believe it just stays standing. But, like, no one ever goes to it ever again? Uh, not after Echo dies, I don't think. Oh, I, wait. I don't remember that church. Does Locke use it? No, Locke makes his own sweat lodge, right, at the beginning of season three. And it doesn't really okay. ever really become a lot of stuff. It's mostly just, like, twigs and stuff. It's never... Yeah, oh, okay. but Echo made it because he, like, had, like, Echo's, Echo's, sorry, Yemi's church was burned down because Echo killed people in it, mm -hmm. and so he owes Yemi a church. Okay. And so that's why he's making okay. it. Okay. Oh, Char this isn't even, like, the worst thing that Charlie does, because What he, is the worst thing that he does? Uh, Sawyer and he conspire to attack Sun so that he can get the guns. Yeah, but- Why would Sawyer go along with that? Because Sawyer wants the guns. And Sawyer. then Charlie, and then he's like, I'm going to get Charlie to help me because Charlie sucks right now. Charlie, like, puts a bag over Sun's head and, like, tries to take her away. Wow. What yeah. the hell happened to Charlie in season two? Yeah. And then in season three, he does a complete turnaround and he's like, hi, I'm great again. What the hell? Yeah. So that's fun. The last one that I had here was that Locke doesn't destroy the heroin and they use it um, to make Libby's death easier for her. That's what it was. I was trying to remember. I completely blanked yeah. when you guys were talking about that. Yeah. So how does Libby die? I can't remember. Uh, Michael shoots her. Why does Michael shoot her? To, because, okay, so Michael has been given instructions to sh uh, 
free Ben and bring back a couple people. And the okay. only people in his way, uh, only person in his way is Anna Lucia. So he's like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to shoot Anna Lucia. So he shoots Anna Lucia and then Libby is just like, um, what the heck? So he shoots Libby also. Oh, And then he boy. shoots himself in the arm to make it seem like Ben shot him and all of them and ran away. That was one of my more shocking oh, moments boy. watching the whole show. Totally. Not when he shot Anna Lucia, but when he shot Libby, I was kind of like, oh, holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then Libby lives and her like she just keeps being like, Michael, 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 because it was Michael, and they're like, We know, like it's okay, Michael's okay. And you're like, ah be like, I I am the opposite of concerned about that man. Yeah. <laughs> Those are all my spoiler thoughts. Do you guys have any more? No, I only ever ask questions Ooh. in spoilers things because yeah. I forget them all. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Okay, perfect. Scott, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Yay, we'll see you again soon-ish. I don't know, we're gonna take a break. <laughs> Just let me know. The, the professionalism yeah. jumped out. I don't know. <laughs> um, hey, whatever. Do you want to remind us where we can find you on the internet? I forgot to ask you that earlier. You can yeah. find me on Twitter at guy, and that's about it. I'll tweet random stuff about Lost, The 100, and Disneyland. And wrestling. Yay. Watch your wrestling, kids. Don't forget about that. Gotcha. Yay. Just good life advice. Yeah. Yeah. The good life advice. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. You can follow both of us at at the aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, mostly Twitter. <laughs> nice. And um, our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. If you have a spare dollar, we'd really appreciate it. Yeah, and it's always in the description, too. So if your excuse is, I don't know how to write patreon.com slash theafficionados, you can just click the link in the description. Yeah. So many. And they'll even send you a pretty postcard. We exactly. Are. Every, like, November, december Bro, that's coming up soon-ish. It sure is. Like three days, actually. Three days. Yeah. Become a patron within three days. They're like, hey, this is it's a this, month later. It's too late. <laughs> yeah. It's too late. Come, become a patron before November 16th next year and you'll get a year three postcard. All right. Yay. Okay, love you. Bye. Love you, bye. I'm not hitting that.